This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a cold one, and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation, anchor down. Welcome back into the door report episode 253 on a lovely Wednesday evening, December 20th, 2023. I am Will Byram joined as always by my loyal <laughs> emphasis on loyal. You hear that guys? Trevor Hewlin. Also guys, we have a very, very, very special guest today. Billy Derrick. From VandySports.com. That name might sound a little familiar to some TDR listeners. Why would that name sound familiar to some TDR listeners? I wonder why. If you've only been listening recently to the insanity of TDR. Me and Billy Derrick a couple years ago started TDR. And Trevor Hewlin just jumped on top of me and Billy's success. So (laughs) I did. I'm riding the coattails. Thank you, Billy, for joining. I think it's time we have a cheers here. We're cheers in the Zens here and popping the six millies. Let's ride. As Trevor, oh, missed, I dropped it. Trevor really missed his mouth for real. <laughs> it's stuck in the You cushion. got it. You just want to grab another? Grab another. <laughs> that went poorly. Great start. Just as every single thing has gone poorly thus far, we're only using two mics for three people because we forgot an XLR to USB cable. Before we get into all this chaos and craziness, because I already forgot it last episode here at TDR. We are powered by Corey Perkins of Parks Realty. If you're a first-time home buyer or looking to move homes in the Nashville area, Corey Perkins is your man. You can reach out to Corey via phone call or text at 615-967-8623, or you can reach out to Corey via email at Perkins at Realtracks.com. Realtracks spelled R-E-A-L-T-R-A-C-S dot com. How about that ad read? You, you oh, like that? Gosh. So I learned from the I learned from the best year, the silkiest, yeah. the smoothest, the Billy Derrick. Thank you so much for joining here, boys, Billy. It is back. good to have you, bro. The boys are back in town. But well, no, the improvement from week one to to week whatever right now uh, is is unbelievable. But no, I want I want to start by saying I'm so proud of what you guys have created. Uh, I feel like there's been a shift a little bit from from well, like from day one, Will and I's first episode to to now, the the inmates running the asylum. <laughs> but that's honestly like ultimately what I think Will and I both wanted. Like I obviously, you know, different path, different career path. But at the end of the day, like I never wanted this to to die, and I don't think you guys did either. Um, and my favorite thing is like the Twitter presence, like, like the episodes and the podcast and 
meeting people and tailgates are great, but like the, the Twitter presence is what I'm most proud of. And I think y'all would agree. Um, and I know I'm just kind of kicking this off, but like that, that's what I'm most proud of. And like y'all too, like associating yourselves with, with the brand and even people like Jalen Merricks and, and other guys like that. Blake you know, Fromang that, that have never Axel. an actual piece, but yeah, like other people like that. Two-time like, guest Blake Fromang. <laughs> but no, I, I love it, boys, and and hopefully, hopefully, y'all keep it rolling. I know we're still in the intro here. We said last episode on episode two fifty two, it was only like a thirty five minute episode last time. Yeah. This is yeah, not. We, we didn't even get one out last week from any sports yeah. either. So. <laughs> yeah, so TDR is better. Um, this. <laughs> This is not going to be a short episode. This is going to be a beefy boy. We love to bring back the beefy episodes with Billy here. But one more thing in the intro. We met, I think, it. where did we meet when you said that you were going to VandySports.com? Uh, so we, we met at uh, Jack, Browns. Jack Browns. Jack, Jack Browns. Jack Browns. Burger Joint, Hillsborough Village, not far from Vandy, actually. Um, and Billy asked me and Trevor after he told us he was going to VandySports.com. We, of course, said, screw you. We hate you now. <laughs> um, tr- Billy asked if me and Trevor wanted to keep TDR going. And I think our response was like, is that even a question? Is, is the Pope Catholic? Yeah. We, does a bear shit in the woods? We have to keep TDR going. Spaces, like Will's face in particular, you were just like. What's happening? I was I was very taken aback. I was like, FandySports.com! Yeah, yeah. yeah Trev was most like, dude, happy for you. Will's like, let's go. Let's ride, baby. Like, door port. But no, like, that, like, seeing those faces, I was like, okay, it's, they're, they're keeping it going. Like, I mean, we're still going to watch Vandy Sports and be miserable. That's, that's, that's our <laughs> favorite no, pastime. Like, honestly, the first episode I watched without me was like, it was weird because... We had put we had put so much into like honestly like two hundred and forty something yeah, episodes like a lot of episodes and then like Trev came in and, like just fit right in but like watching it was like man like I I I miss it man like I miss like obviously this is what I want to do like I I I grew up going to Vandy games I love Vandy um and so I like I'm I was so excited to to be able to cover them and be there but still like just with the boy, guys being dudes just like, guys like, being dudes crushing like, brews oh, oh. I, like. And so to be God. here and like actually feel like um, we're doing that again, like it's fun. Like we never actually got to and like this in person element too. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like y'all started that with like a lot of the tailgates. Like a lot of the tailgates were tailgates were your idea too. Yeah, they the tail the tailgates they were mainly Will's idea. Yeah, yeah. Tailgate tailgate king over here. The main it wasn't really as planned. The in person thing. <laughs> Was not as planned as it may have looked on the outside. No, it was not. My roommates were a couple that were moving into their own place, and I was being abandoned as the 26-year-old bachelor that I am. And also, Trevor was having the exact same situation happen. My roommate was getting married, and our lease was set to expire in a couple months. And he's like, hey, dude, I'm getting a house with my girl. And I was like, I don't know where I'm going to (laughs) live. I was like, I don't know where I'm going to live now. (laughs) So me and Trevor, even though we were already doing the podcast already, roommates first, and then being able to do the podcast in person was just a secondary benefit. That was never like fully in the thoughts of like, this is going to happen. It worked out well though. Like, like even though it wasn't smooth, maybe like, I think the people want y'all in person. I know it's a little, it probably looks different. So, like, you know, the last what twenty or so episodes, I don't know. Yeah, we have it set up the complete opposite direction but, that yeah, we normally have it set up. Rogue aspect right now, but no, like I like I like watching them on YouTube 
and being able to like like a lot of people like the the facial recognition part of it. Mm-hmm. Like I know a lot of people listen to their cars too, but like um, it's still really cool to have this and like I think bringing in a guest in here, like getting imagine getting Blake in here. It's a big I body. I don't know if that ever. It's a big body to put in a small <laughs> living room. I don't know if that'll ever happen. Would he fit through our door? It's <laughs> a good question. Yeah. Also, where's Phoebe? Phoebe oh. has disappeared. Like Phoebe was usually urgently jumping up onto the table. No, let's at just this wait point. for Phoebe's going to make an appearance. Phoebe will appear when Phoebe wants to appear. We have a locked and loaded episode two fifty three. If you have not noticed that yet already. With the 10 to 15 minute intro, <laughs> Billy Derrick joining Vanderbilt basketball to discuss briefly. This whole episode is going to be Vandy. That's hoops. yeah. Just us bitching and moaning about Vanderbilt hoops. No, that'll Lock be brief. in ladies and gents. No, it's going to be horrible. Uh, then we also have the recent movement with the football program, mm-hmm. an official hiring of a new OC also transfer portal news on top of today being early national signing day on top of that. And then Trevor, we have the main portion of this episode, which is the 2023 Vanderbilt award show. The results, the results of the document and voting that Trevor Hewlin put together. He gets 100% of the credit and 100% of the blame. There will be some blame. There will be some blame. It's 98% credit, 2% blame, but there were some options that were left off that document of selections that were pointed out on Twitter and pointed out by me that we will get to as well. But before we get into all that and much more, don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Door Report. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. It's now time for segment one. Welcome back into episode 253 of The Door Report, joined by our very special guest, Billy Derrick. First up on the docket, Vanderbilt Basketball and Jerry Stackhouse. Last night, Trevor can't have an opinion because we all know Trevor did not watch. Oh, I've got opinions, though. All right. (laughs) Okay. Trevor has opinions, but we know Trevor did not watch. Vanderbilt loses 63-62 to to Western Carolina, the Catamounts. Granted, Western Carolina moves to... Yeah, good team. Good team. Western Carolina moves moves to 9-2 and on the season. Vanderbilt moves to 4-7. and Good record, pretty solid in year five for Jerry Stackhouse, about as good as you can expect from a guy like Jerry Stackhouse. So, Billy, what was the you were actually there at the Western Carolina game? I was not, I watched it on TV. Trevor, the opposite end of the spectrum, wasn't there and didn't watch it on TV. Tell us about the environment inside Memorial Gym as Phoebe (laughs) makes her introduction. (laughs) We were just asking where Phoebe was. There she is. Phoebe's like, who is this new guy on, on the pod? You can't script Phoebe things just, like this. Just attacks me. <laughs> so, Billy, what was the environment like inside a memorial gym? It was electric. But no, uh, honestly, I so I got there probably 40 minutes before, um, and I had an idea of, all right, I'm going to go sit like with, with all the fans there. No. I sat in 3A for the first half, just just watching. And there were probably like 10 other people up there in 3A. Um, and I was I, I kind of looked back there. I was like, what are they even doing here? Um, 
But no, so I saw that and I wanted to, and I talked to Chris before the game and he told me to make a point of watching the the Vanderbilt bench and their coaches and uh, just kind of their, you know, are they into it? Are like, do they want it? Do they look like they want to be there? I didn't notice a ton out of the ordinary, but I did like, I made a point of like watching stack and how he interacts with the other coaches. Um, it's just weird. Like it's it, like, there's probably not another basketball program in the country that operates the way they do like in game. Um, and that that's his style. That, that's, I mean, he wants to do it that way. So be it. But it was, it was strange. It was, it was almost like it. And I'd said this on the board. I said, feels like a minor league baseball atmosphere where people are, you heard a lot of side conversation and like, like, you know, you heard just people kind of laughing, you know, here or there, but the game, like the action was secondary. You know, people were there because they probably had nothing else to do. And they, Oh, there's a local college basketball game between two division one teams tonight. Let's go. Let's go. And honestly, like Western Carolina, I, like they are a good, they're a good team, but like Van, like we should be talking about Vanderbilt as a that good team. Like let's go watch Vandy. It, it's not like there's no appeal. There is zero appeal uh, to this program right now. Um, and and so yeah, it, it's more of the same. Like I honestly like like as much as I want it, we want to come on here and like recap the game and talk about what happened. There's nothing else to say. Uh, like since Presbyterian, nothing has changed. And so that, like, for me, that's the biggest thing. It just, it's null and void, you know, same, you know, humho, whatever, you know, they lose by one. I didn't think they played awful. I know you watched, Will, Trevor, you didn't. Um, I thought, like, the defense was better, but, like, Western Carolina was, they were the team that made the plays late, and they won the game. And and that's that's kind of the epitome of, of, Vanderbilt not knowing how to they 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 don't know how to win they haven't known how to win really in these early season games under Stackhouse it was it was just more of the same they haven't known how to win and also a pretty key stat from watching the game I thought the shooting was bad yeah. from Vanderbilt looking at the box score afterwards Vanderbilt shot seven percent from three yeah that's why Vanderbilt lost yeah this team does not have enough shooters. This team has not had enough shooters the entire time Jerry Stackhouse has been here as the head coach. Why has he not been able to find an answer for what should be the primary goal of every single basketball team? Is that his scheme? Is that because he's such a good X's and O's guy? He wants to prove he can win without shooters because he's certainly proven he can lose without shooters, yeah. and he's continued to do that. Well, I made a point of asking him after the game, and I saw this credit to Justin Hershey on Twitter, who doesn't cover them anymore. He's with the hustler. Uh, he tweeted something out. He said, Jerry Stackhouse has said in the past that if you get to 10 threes made uh, in a game, that's, that's kind of the target number. They hadn't gotten 10. They like in their last three games, they've made 14 threes. And so obviously they haven't gotten to that 10 number in any of the last three games. I asked him that. I said, what do you think it is? Like credit the other team's defense, poor execution, guys, just not shots, just not falling. And he got pretty personal. I don't know if you guys watched the <clears throat> the post game. He goes, "Well, did, did you watch the game? You know, did, did 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 you watch the game? We got good looks. We got great looks. At, at some point, these guys just aren't great shooters. They're, I mean, they're just not. And and another thing too is is like you said with the X's and O's. This is something that I'll say this for Will. Will has been on Jerry Stackhouse is not a good X's and O's coach for a very very long. Not time. that he's not good. Just he's, that well, he's not good. It's it's he's just normal. Yeah. Like it's not that he's horrible. It's just 
this thing, this narrative that he is some phenomenal X's and O's coach above everyone else. Yeah, the players just can't run it. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I, that's I, the big issue I have. Well, and two, like I get it. Like I get that Alan Lubin is hurt. I get that you've had a lot of injuries so far this season. I get that you have to play a lot of freshmen. Part of me still hates that because that goes against everything we learned last season. But dude, we we were at last night. We were nine games in. We're ten games in now. I think we're 11 games. I think last night was 10. Now that was we're 11. 11. Dude, how are your freshmen still? And I get their freshmen. Jerry said in the post game, hey, they're freshmen. They're going to make dumb mistakes. Dog, your guys have been playing like 10 ball games. They should not be making these dumb. I, they blew like a six point lead off of two or a five point lead off of like two dumb fouls. Like, how do you like they were kind of in control late and late in that one? And, and the freshman, the freshman, I'm going to say that I'm going to say this early. Okay, to everyone out there, I don't want to interrupt the incredible Vanderbilt basketball talk we're having. Make sure you lean in and talk into the mic. For yeah. anybody watching on YouTube, we have three mics. Trevor went out and bought another mic for Billy to have. We forgot to get the USB to XLR or XLR to USB cable. Which apparently so, is very hard to get a hold yeah, of. Yeah, and we searched far and wide for any place in the general Brentwood area that had in stock, in store, an XLR to USB cable doesn't exist. Just does not exist. So Billy and Trevor having to share a mic. So Billy, make sure you lean in we're, we're, and we're talk into the it. mic. Here we go. Otherwise, I'm going to sound ridiculously loud. And you guys are going to sound quiet. And people are going to be scared every time I speak. Oh, but Vanderbilt right now in Ken Palm, I know I got us off track there a little bit, is ranked number 233 mm. in the Ken Palm. Their strength of schedule where do you guess Vanderbilt's strength of schedule ranks in the Ken Palm? Today, it's like 280. 281. Yep. Where do you think the second lowest SEC team ranks in the Ken Palm currently? I want to say it's LSU at like 170. or LSU at number 107. Okay, 107. Not near wow. as bad as 170. Wow. Vanderbilt, let's see if my math can be good here live on air, is 174 spots lower than the next lowest as no that's wrong that was based off strength of schedule 106 106 spots lower 26 yeah. whatever it is 126 spots lower <laughs> whatever it is it's horrible there's no fixing it this year do you fire jerry stackhouse mid-season or do you wait until after the season what what's the benefit of waiting until after the season is is my thing and I know there's probably not a great benefit of doing it now. Say they do it this weekend. Okay, that's a statement. Like that, that's a message made by the administration saying this is unacceptable. We're not, we're not putting up with this. Like that's, and I think that would be that would be a good sign moving forward for Candace Lee, for Deermeyer, and this this administration to make the move. If you wait until after the season. You could now either way, say they fire him this weekend. It could they could still go two and sixteen, three and fifteen, whatever. But either way, there's that perception of okay, they made that move midseason. They made a midseason move. They bucked the trend that everybody said they'll never do that. They they would not do that. And my gut tells me they won't. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I think all of us hope that this move is made midseason, but it has to happen. Either way, it's going to happen. That's the biggest thing. It's going to happen. I mean, they, like he's not he's he's not surviving this. So that's kind of the silver lining. That's the good part. Like that's the bottom line. But I think you you make a statement in terms of 
public relations perception wise, I think that would be important because you get talk about the program. Okay, they made this move. They feel like they should compete in basketball in the SEC. They're not right now. Louisville might make a move this weekend with yeah. with Kenny Payne. Say they make that move, you're going to have a lot of people saying, "Where's Vanderbilt? What are they doing with, with Stackhouse? It, he's not much better. He's in year five. So, I just I don't see the benefit of waiting until after the season. I think if you do it this weekend or midseason at some point, that sends a statement that this this program needs. And quite frankly, I think you'd see some happy players, some guys that are sort of relieved and and have a path forward, some path forward, it's still going to be hard to rebuild. But either way, I look at perception. You know, perception is reality a lot of times, right? And so if they make the move midseason, I think that's a huge statement made. Yeah, Trevor, and you can answer on the midseason thing. It's just whether or not Vanderbilt wants to extend this out and allow Jerry Stackhouse to have an asinine, stupid press conference at some point Mm -hmm. like Derek Mason that he basically just blames the players. And that's what Derek Mason did, saying, you know, a lot of times it's not about the X's and O's, it's about the Jimmy's and the Joe's. Well, you're responsible for the Jimmy's and the Joe's. You're the CEO of the program. It's different than coaching at the professional level. That's why you see vice versa, whether it's Nick Saban going to the Dolphins failing because he doesn't have full control of the roster and the scheme and everything and the staff, or you see it the other direction, Typically, you don't see success in these coaches coming from the professional level to college or vice versa. And I think that's what Stack has struggled with. You're responsible for the roster. It can't be, I schemed open these looks for these guys. They just didn't hit them. Well, that's your players not hitting them in your scheme. At the end of the day, the buck stops with you. And there's been a lack of accountability with Jerry. You've been in the press conferences a hundred a million percent more than me and Trevor have been. I, I don't know, Trevor. I want to give you time to comment on the midseason firing as well. Well, and I'll say this too to your point of college coaches going to the league or the league coming to college coaches. Um, you look at somebody like Billy Donovan, who we've brought up on the pod before, who is a great well, uh, I mean, the, the court is named after him in Gainesville. One of the probably the greatest basketball coach in Florida Gators history goes to Oklahoma City, doesn't do well, and now he's ruining the Chicago Bulls. Yeah. It's just it's it's not an easy transfer like that. And, and like you said with Nick Saban, we've seen it over and over again. There have been a few guys, Harbaugh, uh, Carroll, that that Shula, that 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 are the are the exception. But my thing is, what is if you don't fire him midseason? I, I understand the players, I understand the recruits. What does this say to the fans? Do you, you know what I mean? Like, what a huge middle finger to the fans if if you do not if you do not fire him midseason. And I get it. I, I said on Twitter we should boycott Vanderbilt basketball. They're like, oh well, they already have our money. Well, dude, you know what? You're taking away money on concessions. You're taking away money on merch. You're taking away money on parking. You're you still have a chance to take a stand and let your voice be heard because all that really matters to them is money at this point. There's that. And also, like the picture that Billy put out, they got picked up by some other larger Twitter accounts of the empty memorial gym. And that's going to open the eyes of some people because it's expected that Vanderbilt's football games are going to be poorly attended. And also, you know, if you have 25,000 people inside Vanderbilt Stadium, it looks horrible. 
it yeah. doesn't look good. Yeah. Memorial Gems capacity is 15,000, and that place looked like a ghost town mm-hmm. uh, against Western Carolina. I think that does raise open the eyes of former players, some of the yeah. older generation of Vanderbilt fans that maybe aren't invested in the day-to-day operations, but they see Memorial Gem like that, and they're like, okay, something's wrong. Yeah. Something I, is broken within the program. I, I love what Nash uh, said on Twitter. He said, the people have spoken. The, the people have spoken. There, was, there wasn't 2,000 people there. That, that gym is historic. It's a, it's, a, it's a place of pride for Vanderbilt fans. I mean, even early season games used to be fun to go to. You're still in town over, over the winter break. You're, let's go to the Vanderbilt basketball When game. we were in high school, if you looked up the top 10 venues of college basketball, the 10 places you have to go before you die, bucket list games. Yeah. Memorial Gym was on there it, with it, Chapel yeah. Hill, with Cameron Indoor. Yeah. Memorial Gym was right there and how far it has fallen. It still should be. And it's like there's no reason it can't be again. And you can quickly change it. You need two or three players. This is not, we're not, like how you mentioned football, we're not talking about football. This is basketball. Transforming a basketball roster is a whole lot easier than, than football. And getting basketball players, it's not. Like academic, you can get high academic players that that are really smart and and are good basketball players. So, the people have spoken. It's time for the Vanderbilt administration to speak about something. Somebody in that administration has to speak up and say this is unacceptable. I think if 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 they get that, if they don't fire a midseason, you at least have to have that a public, whether it's a press conference or an article that's released. Somebody within that administration needs to step up and say this is unacceptable. We are this. This is uncomfortable. That this is not the way we want to. We want to operate. And if they if they don't fire midseason, you at least have to have that. But either way, the people have spoken, and they've done their part. The fans are not showing up. Now it's up to the administration to take action. And I want to allow you to speak as well, Trevor. I don't, I don't want to take up too much of the time, but it's also like. I hate the phrase comparing apples to oranges. You, as little Dickie says, you should be able to compare fruit. But at the same time, it's like you need three or four unicorns to change a basketball program. When I say unicorn, I mean an elite level athlete, a four or five star that has elite level academics. And that's what Vanderbilt's looking. Just good, so just, ac- yeah, but yeah. still good yeah. academics, whatever. You need three or four unicorns. Yeah. In football, you need 40 unicorns. That's a much more difficult thing. So, number one, Clark Lee might be attempting, and Barton Simmons might be attempting, a job that is actually impossible. We don't know. We've never seen it done, actually, for more than a three-year stretch. So, it might actually be impossible. We know that it is possible to take over as the head coach of Vanderbilt basketball and have consistent success at the top of the conference. Kevin Stallings did it in the 21st century for 20 years. We've seen it. It can be done. It is a flaw of the current staff without a doubt. There's, there are literal guys to point to 11 years ago that won an SEC championship here at Vanderbilt. You can't do that with Clark Lee. You, you would have to go back to the, what, the 30s? To point to the last time Vanderbilt had more than three years of competitive success in the football program, 50s maybe. So that's the frustrating part is when people compare the two. Yeah, I'm like, first off, they're not comparable jobs. Second off, Jerry Stackhouse has had two more seasons than Clark, or three more seasons than Clark Lee. 
it's amazing that he's still here and it's amazing the lack of self-awareness he has in those press conferences where he's now attacking the people asking the questions as to why have you driven Vanderbilt to the lowest point we've ever seen in our grandfather's lifetimes in our father's lifetimes. You've ruined this program. Bryce drew maybe did the beginning of it, but Jerry Stackhouse, you've driven it to the lowest level and maintained the lowest level. I, I don't know where you go from there. Well, and that's the, like you guys said, that's the frustrating part of it is this is not football. The, the roster construction of baseball or of basketball to football is so radically different. In the era of the transfer portal, and this is what makes it so frustrating, is Vanderbilt can, can become a tournament team like that. Literally overnight. Vanderbilt can become a tournament team, not just a bubble team. Let's 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 call it what is Vanderbilt could be a four, five, or six seed next season with the way that college basketball is set up. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. And like you guys said, with academic institutions, who are two of the biggest blue bloods in college basketball? Duke, North Carolina, have just about, if not harder, academic standards than Vanderbilt. And they are year in, year out, some of the best teams, historically, two of the biggest blue bloods. There's no excuse. And that's what's so frustrating about it because you know that this can be turned overnight. Like Vanderbilt can be a tournament team next this time next year. They could really be undefeated. We wanted Jerry Stackhouse to work out. I, I think people yeah. forget that we have changed our opinion as a podcast here at the door report over time, yeah. we gave him a chance. We were initially we in were our, back stack. in our yeah. bio was hashtag we back stack <laughs> because people did turn on him a little too quickly. Granted they were right now, but at the time they were giving a judgment that was too harsh and too quick on a guy that was taking over a program that was in a horrible state. And we called last year the year, right? So what does that make this year? This year's the ultimate year. There's I no mean, more excuses to be made. They've had injuries. They've had off-the-court issues. But we're way past that. And we've 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 interacted with people on Twitter that are the biggest Weeback stack people. And most of them have, have turned. Yeah. So that... If you haven't turned, what else, what is it going to take? That's my question. Yeah. If you haven't turned yet on Jerry Stackhouse and you're still a proponent of him being the leader of this program... What is it going to take? He'd have to he'd have to commit homicide. They're he really he'd have to commit a serious criminal offense. This is the worst out of conference stretch that Vanderbilt Since basketball the 30s. Yeah. that has ever had yeah. in the history of Vanderbilt basketball. Or, yeah, that was the excuse. The worst for, one before was in the 30s. That yeah, that is the excuse, not excuse, but that is the reasoning that was used when Vanderbilt fired Bryce Drew. Is it's one thing to have a bad year, it's one thing to have injuries, it's another thing to go over in conference play. And to do something that has never been done. Vanderbilt basketball had never lost 20 games before. Congratulations, Bryce. You brought them to new depths of hell. That's basically what Jerry Stackhouse is doing In again, yeah. which is incredible to see somebody do it again and again be incompetent. Yeah. And the difference between this year and last year, as as we all know, you don't have a Liam Robbins. You don't have a streaky shooter like a Miles Studi. Um, you know, Ezra Young really got going late last year. You you can't look to any of that this year. I mean that 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 I think is the biggest difference. The makeup of this team is not a team that that has a run in them. And if they do, say they do. If if Stackhouse is retained through SEC play, say they go and they win a few games in a row, it doesn't matter. None exactly. of that. It doesn't matter. So the hope is lost. And like you said, well, we want this to like Vanderbilt fans want this to work. Like that, and and but at the end of the day, you have to look at it realistically and say this isn't working. 
there has to be a change. Yeah. Well, and two, even whenever you're bringing up the roster, you're like streaky shooter like this, Liam, you're totally scratching Liam. You at least had a viable big in QMB. For 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 what he's worth, not a big, not much offensive production. You at least had a true five. That's and we'll move on from basketball in a second because we've been hitting on basketball longer than I think we expected. But how is Jerry Stackhouse and this staff? Do you allow a guy like QMB to leave to a lesser program and you replace him with Carter Lang yep. in a make or break year for Jerry Stackhouse? That is truly either Jerry. It's one of these two. Either Jerry Stackhouse is lazy and doesn't care about being the head coach of Vanderbilt, or Jerry Stackhouse is an absolute fucking idiot. Yeah. There's no in-between where he is at. And, and yeah. I'm leaning towards the side of he doesn't care. And that's where I've been at from the beginning. I don't think he's a complete moron. I think he never planned on being a college head coach, especially at Vanderbilt, for a long extended period of time. And he was never fully invested in it. Thought it would be like a NBA or G League head coaching job. You show up to practice, show up to game day, get the X's and O's going. Boom, you've got a team. That's not being a college head coach. It's a 90-hour work week. It's not fair. It's a brutal job. I'm not saying anything about that. But there's a lot more to it than just designing some good out-of-bounds plays. Yeah, and the most important part about college basketball is recruiting. About any college sport. He doesn't recruit. Nope. So, you know, we're, of course. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. It, you have to recruit. If, if you're, you could be a, like Bryce True was the opposite. Phenomenal recruiter mm-hmm. at the bot. At the very least, Bryce True was going to have dudes. I mean, he, that one team his last year, I think, had three or four NBA. He, guys. Had, the, he had the best recruiting class in the history of Vanderbilt basketball. Yeah, and so I think if you're a Vanderbilt fan, you'd rather have that than a guy that is a he's a good coach. Jerry Stackhouse is a good basketball coach. But he's not a good CEO of a college program. He's at least like he, an average. What he does like in he's, game, yeah, like, like he's not he's not inept. Like he, you know, he he knows the he knows the baseline ball. of yeah. But if you don't recruit, that's the main. You're that's mm-hmm. the bottom floor. You don't. There's no foundation at all. There's no chemistry. There's no cohesion. There's no continuity. You have to have some continuity. And and if you don't have any, that that's that's the biggest problem. Speaking of recruiting because I think it's time to transition away from basketball. There has been a little bit of news in the transfer portal, switching over to football. How do you feel, Billy, because you haven't been on these episodes at all, how do you feel about the current 2024 class as a whole, including the transfers? Because we won't dig into it too much into individual guys because we have more to get to on this Mm -hmm. episode, but... Overall, how do you feel about this recruiting cycle for Vanderbilt? Feel good. Top forty class um, after a two and ten season is an act of God. I mean, if you like, if you really like, think about it realistically. If an SEC school, if any other SEC school in year three goes two and ten, that coach is fired, and they're rebuilding. Uh, unless, I mean, I guess you could probably look at maybe Mississippi State, South Carolina, maybe, but like Shane Beamer, yeah, like Shane Beamer. Still went what five seven one you know one five games Florida like two and ten is is a, is a new low for for any SEC school so to have a top forty class I think it's good you have dudes like a Dante Carter a Whit Edwards those two guys are dudes um, and a lot of the lower guys state champs you know two or three sport kids that uh, you know the big emphasis in winners um, and I think that gets overrated like he's a state champ you know he played in well he played in three A but 
who cares? Like that, that kid's a winner. Like Bryson Coleman, he's the most fascinating player in this class. I know we don't want to get into the class too much, but he, he played all three sports. He was the quarterback of their team. He's going to play tight end at Vandy. But you think about the word freak and I, I don't want to call uh, too many of these guys freaks, but like Bryson Coleman is one of those kids that I think projects really well. Um, you know, Alvin Williamson, the the corner is is a good player. Played with Dante Carter for Don for them to retain Dante Carter. Yep. Like that's yeah. the you talk about this class. That's the storyline of the, of this class. Dante Carter for me. No, I wasn't saying you had to speak. And, I was just saying make sure Trevor but, when yeah, yeah. you speak to speak into the mic. But you know, like yeah, re- re- retaining him. I saw Robbie put out that Alabama, USC, and Ohio State were after him, and for Dante Carter to be like, nope. I, 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 thanks for the offer. Thanks for the phone call. I'm committed to Vandy, like Vanderbilt. 159th ranked player in the country. Yeah. And on three has him as the number two safety, right? Um, so got some dudes, right? And and after a two intensities, you can tell the staff is is still very much committed to you. And and I think it's always good to see a class like Clark talked about it going into their house and talking to their families, talking to the kids. They're excited because they know they're gonna get a chance to immediately compete. Like ha- at least you saw last year's class. Martel Height, other other guys in that class, I think Cam Johnson, yeah. right? They they played. Yep. Right? You're going to play. Like for for high school kids, if you're told, "Hey, you're going to come in here and play and you're, there's also an opportunity for large sum of money down the road with our collective." Like they're going to they're going to want to play. You're in the SEC or in Nashville. So, I overall will right. It's not a home run, right? And and it's not you're not wowed by it. You're not going to get people around the country talking about it. But you you the floor is high that t- you top 40 class after a two and ten season i mean that's that's you're not that's not too shabby i don't like to be mr negative so i agree with literally everything you said that this could have been a time that this class fell apart yeah that vanderbilt was ranked number 63 you right. saw it during the Derek mason era and that's when you really fall behind mm-hmm. in talent so it's a good job doing what they've done the number 40 ranked composite class in 24-7, the number 19 ranked transfer class so far. All that's fantastic. It's still the worst in the SEC. Yeah. And that's that's the part that Vanderbilt still hasn't changed the narrative completely. I understand coming off the two and ten year, I understand all of the holdups, all of the issues that go into it and problems that arise being part of the Vanderbilt program. But if you do what Vanderbilt has done under Clark Lee and Barton Simmons year after year, you're never going to compete in the SEC. And this class is no different. And so Vanderbilt is extremely excited about some of the transfers. Utah quarterback, I'm going to completely forget his name, Nate Johnson, four-star transfer. He's the backup quarterback for Utah last year. Can't throw the ball to save his fucking life. Vanderbilt fans are acting like he's Jesus Christ reincarnate. This is the issue that I have is it's good what they have done. It's still not at the basic minimum levels of a normal SEC football program. Right. And we are talking about it as if, wow, this is incredible. It's going to change everything. Like, no, you're just falling behind less. You're still falling behind just less than before. Same with a lot of the transfers. I mean, it's great. They got a transfer wide receiver from Alabama state. Fantastic. He could be okay. Great. They got a cornerback from Wyoming. Awesome. That's great. I mean, there's so many, the great, they have a Holy cross offensive lineman visiting. That's awesome. That's the recipe to go three and nine. Like, I understand I'm not trying to be Mr. Pessimistic here, but I don't see anything in this class that makes me think this Vanderbilt program is changing the narrative. 
I also do think we have to keep into consideration. And I, I agree. It is still the worst in the SEC. I think where it does get exciting is you do have a couple of athletes that you normally don't get. I also think we need to keep into consideration, even at James Franklin's height after an eight and four season, the best he topped out at was 19 in the nation, which is, which for Vanderbilt standards is, 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 is historic, but was still 19, was still 19 in the nation. So I'm with Billy at 40 after that bad of a season. I like it a lot. I, I, and especially to the class as a whole, you can get excited about. It is hard, 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 hard not to get absolutely jazzed about two dudes like Whit Edwards and Dante Carter. Yeah, I think it's it's I think it's impossible. Like those yeah. are like you said, those are immediate. In my opinion, I think they're day. I think they they're yeah. I think they're day one starters. They're, I'm just gonna go ahead and say yeah, it. They're both gonna start. They're yes, they're day and, one starters. Yeah, and and Clark has said that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I like I totally get what Will's saying, and yeah. I agree with him on the receivers. Mm-hmm. Like uh, of of any position, like defensively, I thought they they got some dudes. Uh, I like Carter. the kid out of Purdue. Yeah, right. Well, so that's portal, but. right? But the receiver position, you lose she- Shepard. Mm-hmm. Not too mad about that. You lose Humphreys. You lose McGowan. Yeah, I think I thought they needed a dude or two out of the portal that is proven. I don't think they got that. No, you, you got Keyshawn Johnson, but I mean, you know, he's he's he, he's coming from the swack. Yeah. So you know, at the end of the day, I think Will's right. Uh, yeah. At, at least about the receivers, yeah. uh, but I think he's also right about the the defensive line. Like they got the kid from Purdue, mm-hmm. but I like in the front four, I don't know how much better they'll be. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you guys have mentioned. I had to take a pee break. These natty lights are flowing through me. <laughs> I mean, they're basically water, but they're delicious. They are basically water. water. They're delicious. These cans are gorgeous. Okay, too. delicious might be a strong word. The cans the are cans beautiful. are gorgeous. <sighs> okay, what what were you guys talking about before I ran back in here? Just, I was saying how I liked your point about the receivers um, and the lack of of like I don't think they really uh, filled that gap. Like with Shepard, Humphreys, and McGowan gone, you really just brought in Keyshawn Johnson. You still have Skinner and Cheryl. Yeah. Uh, and you have those freshmen, which I really like. I like Tristan Brown and McVeigh, but you're still relying on some younger kids. Like you don't really have a proven veteran in there. But the offense is also shifting, right? This is like Tim Beck's sure. coming in with his style. I don't know if they're going to score a touchdown of over fifty or sixty yards this year. I mean, th- like this is th- this is a system that fans had been clamoring for. And I know we're going to get into Beck a lot, yep. but like. I don't like I don't know if there's as big of an emphasis on getting that dude having a shepherd. Like imagine Shepard and, and Humphreys in this offense, they'd probably they'd be they'd be upset about a lot of the same things. Um I think Humphreys is a guy that they obviously wanted to keep. Um Shepard, I think I, I don't know if he was obviously pushed out a little bit. I mean, I I would obviously say, but well, I, I like the point you made about the receivers and like how much better does this class and the portal kids they brought in make them? Next yeah, year? Like, that's I, that. I I agree with that. The the there are a few things because it's complicated because I I like what they have done, so I don't want to lose that it's in what to I'm knock saying. What they've done, yeah, yeah, I like what they've done. I'm not meaning to come off as like shitting on everything Barton Simmons and Clark Lee have done and the rest of the staff because I think they've done the best with what they could do, yeah. retaining the guys. But objectively, just take a step back. Try to forget what you know about this Vanderbilt football team. Objectively looking at the guys that have left and transferred out, Will Shepard, Colorado, Jade McGowan, South Carolina, A.J. Swan, LSU. LSU. 
that's what I'm hitting on is they haven't had dudes. They haven't replaced those guys they have lost with similar caliber guys. And Ethan Barr, Washington, is he? We know he's slow. No, no, no. This is what I'm getting at. Nate Clifton to South or uh, USC. This is what I'm getting at. Not we know what we know about Ethan Barr. Okay, I'm not saying that I wanted to keep him, but I'm saying he was a starting linebacker and he transferred and he's going to Washington, a national title contending power five program. Everyone you have lost pretty much that is significant. London Humphreys to Georgia has gone to a better, more successful power five program. And you are pulling guys in the transfer portal outside of Fontenet out. That's about it. Pretty outside of Nate Johnson, maybe at Utah. Mm-hmm. Everybody you're pulling from is from a lower tier program, and that's fine. That's okay. They might be just as good, but you're telling me that these guys are going to be better than the guys that are transferring to other Power Five, Power Four now, Power Four programs. I I just don't see where this team's going to improve. Well, in the future, they'll be different. This is going to be a different offense, uh, different style, different approach, um, and. Last year on paper, this offense projected as a good offense. I mean, let, like, let's face it. We were talking about this offense, about you know their explosiveness and Swan and Shepard and and Humphreys and Cheryl and um, an offensive line that we thought w- was good, but obviously the offensive line didn't work out. But on paper, last year's offense was better. On paper, this year's off this year's offense is worse. But it's a different style. You need different after a two and ten season. You know, you need Clark knew they were going to have attrition, so removing guys like Shepard, McGowan, Swan, you remove the core of that offense. You change to a totally new core uh, of offense this year with Nate Johnson and a good running back room, an improved offensive line. That offensive line should be better. Um, so different style. I, I like that you say. They didn't replace those guys, but they filled it in a different way and in, in a a way that that is that maybe fans don't like, and it's obviously not sexy. Nothing Clarkley in this staff will do is ever going to be sexy. Um, I know before we were talking, we were comparing Vanderbilt and their style to Iowa, mm. right? <laughs> they, 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 you know, great defense, great punter, field position. Fans hate that, but. I think that's the, the decision this staff has made. That, but they want to be. They still want to be an explosive offense. I think it'll be on the ground this year. So it's just they're filling those holes differently, and they're they're sort of morphing into something else. I think. Um, but I get. I totally get why. They're, and I can argue on the other side as right, well. Yeah. Like I, this is where I'm still sitting in the middle. I, I'm fully in a. I'll believe it when I see it type mode. But on the other side, you could also say, how good can these starters really be? They were on a horrendous two and 10 Vanderbilt football team. How good can these guys actually be? Mm -hmm. You were on a bottom five defense. How good can any of these guys that played significant time on this defense be? This offense was embarrassing, especially towards the end of the year. How good can these guys really be? How much of a good leader? Is this guy really? That's where I head out on the other side, arguing being the devil's advocate, is like, I don't understand how these guys like Nate Clifton are getting offers from USC. How is Ethan Barr getting an offer from Washington? I don't understand that either. Maybe they're misevaluating talent, or maybe Vanderbilt was misutilizing talent. 
but it's one of those two things. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see where that falls next season. Well, and that's why they made the coaching changes, right? I think it's more of misutilizing. I think there were some misevaluations, especially on the offensive line. Like the offensive line, we had heard from the staff that they were excited about that offensive line group coming into this year. And they had said, well, it was an offensive line that blocked for Ray Davis, right? And and he, you know, he he was a dude, but we had a good offensive line. What's up, Phoebe? Um, Phoebe's like, why are you talking about their offensive line like that? But uh, but no, look. After an offseason like this, there's going to be naturally positive. There's only one way to go. It's it's up. So at the end of the day, you know, that's that's where they're at. Say like, that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, have we hit rock bottom? I but hope so. I just think the coaching changes they made tell you that coaching was a massive problem last year. Coaching changes. That is yeah. the next topic. That's about it what we're going to cover for the roster movement that yeah. we've seen and and next episode i think me and trevor are taking next week off yeah but the week after next we will do like a full recap of who they've signed in in this early signing day and and where the transfer portal is at and what this roster more looks I, like i do want to say one more thing on nate johnson um i'll be interested to see he's the guy right he, he he's Should he's be. a starter um i'll be interested to see can he galvanize this locker room and be a leader they need that if he can be that's huge I'm not betting on it. I would. I know. Bet on it. I know. I shooter. said we were done talking about the roster. How much do you think in the locker room? Maybe not on the field. How much do you think of a loss Mike Wright was? I think he was a huge loss. But with Ray Davis, like I think, I think if you had Ray Davis this year, you're probably a three, four win team. Maybe like I Ray Davis won them games, but it was with Mike Wright. So losing both was huge, and they switched to an RPO style offense. And they were running a little bit of triple option last year. I think they're going right back to year two of Clark Lee. They said, okay, what worked for us? Like, what worked? Well, we went five and seven. We we're on the doorstep of a ball game. What did we have? We had a mobile quarterback, and we ran the football. We had a good running back. We, we thought our offensive line was good, but at the end of the day, Mike Wright was the heart and soul of that team. He was a leader. Yep. They didn't have that this year. So if Nate Johnson can be that, you're going to see a difference. We'll see. But I wanted to throw that in there about Nate Johnson. Can he be a leader? Does he have that quality? I think he's confident. He's a confident kid. But throwing the football, that, that's going to be the biggest thing. And you'll get, you guys will talk about that throughout the offseason. But I wanted to throw that in there because I think that's the biggest thing they need. They have to have somebody all year. I think I heard you guys talk about this. Who's stepping up? Who's going to step up and be the leader and say this is unacceptable? Didn't seem like anybody was doing that. Quite frankly, it looked like guys were shying away from that and saying, screw this, right? So I think you have to have a leader. Is Nate Johnson that? That's one of my biggest questions overall heading in. I just think it's and, – and then I want to talk about Tim Beck. I want to talk about the OC hire because we keep referencing the new scheme that's coming in with Tim Beck, and I want to get y'all's thoughts on – the higher overall, because I think there's been a lot of positive reviews about Tim Beck. I don't know how to lead into this question without sound, <laughs> without leading you guys into an answer. I'm, I, what do you think of Tim Beck overall as a hire for the Vanderbilt OC? And then I'll give my opinion. Now. Well, initially, it was underwhelming. I mean, like right, like right away, I was like, oh, no prior group Power Five experience as a coordinator. Other than, you know, New Mexico State, it's a group of five school, right? Uh, he was a Division II national champ. Um, but the thing I look at 
is his his experience, right? He's he's 62 years old. Um, I, I want to say I, you guys could fact check me, um, but I, I want to say he's 62 years old. He's coached a ton of football. Um, he he's a great he's a fam. Okay, 59. Um, and Clark actually made a joke about that. It was kind of pretty funny, but safe hire. I told Will that before. I think it's a safe hire. Um, and it's not, I don't think it'll be as different as we might think as last year. Um, but at the end of the day, Will, I, I like what you said about he's not, he wasn't a splash hire. He wasn't a sexy hire. You know, we talked about Joe Sloan potentially coming in. That would have been a, a sexy splash hire. Let's face it, after a two and 10 season, you're not making any sexy splash hires. You're just you're not. Um, for Tim Beck, obviously this was a this was a bump up. His first chance to be a power five coordinator at this age, he's he's ecstatic, right? I think if you get that alignment, they'll be fine. At the end of the day, Tim Beck has to have full control. Yeah. He has to have full control. And it sounds like he's going to be the head coach of that offense. Clark Lee called him the head coach of the offense. So essentially what you're gonna have is two different head coaches. Um and that can work out really well. It could also fall off the tracks. Um, so I'm still, I, I still want to learn more. Like, I don't know. It's weird. There's another Tim Beck that has been at a lot of other places and would probably be a better option in, in all reality, which is kind of funny. But what he did with Pavia this year, Pavia is a guy that he's 5'9, 170. You know, they went, they won 10 games. And historically, New Mexico State's awful. Like horrible. Yep. They had a really good coaching staff there under Jerry Kill. They had a they've had a few other coaches uh, plucked away for Power Five jobs. So I think that's a good sign. So I think I think he's a good coordinator, um, but it's not a splash hire. So it's sort of a wait and see. You know, we'll we'll see what happens. At the end of the day, though, it's something different. You you don't have the same coordinator in Joey Lynch. Love Joey, great guy, but you had to have a change, and so. Well, it's a great question. I just don't know yet, right? It, it, you have to, you can't really judge him until you see game one um, and, and you see him on the field. But he's a guy that I think will will work well with Nate Johnson. I, I look at him and Nate, and I, I think of Nate Johnson and his capabilities within the offense, and that that should excite some people. Um, but, Will, you're right. I mean, it, it's kind of like, I don't really know what to say quite yet. Like, it's like... I, I, I don't know. It, it, it's kind of wait and see. Underwhelming at first, you start to learn a little bit about him. Uh, he's a winner. He's won everywhere he's been. So I think that's that's a good sign. But he didn't come from – it's not like he was at another SEC school or you know another Big Ten school. He came from New Mexico State. So he's going to have to prove himself. If I can get the mic turned around. I'll, I'll say this too. I, I agree. Going from – which – you would know more than any of us here, but it seemed like Vanderbilt had a real shot at Joe Sloan. Yeah. It seemed like Vanderbilt had a real shot at Joe Sloan. Going from the quarterback coach of LSU, fresh off a Heisman winner, looks like a Maserati of a coach to Tim Beck, who is probably a Ford F-150. Um, exactly. Just, just yeah. old school football, just kind of wants to run it. I don't like it. I I under I I understand that aspect. I do. I think, and I want to bring up what you said. I think pairing him with Nate Johnson, who, like you said, we don't know if he can throw the ball. Mike Wright really couldn't throw the ball either. But look at that. Look what they yes, did with Mike Wright. Exactly. Mike Wright was inept throwing the football. 
Nate Johnson's not inept. Yeah. He he can make some throws. Yes. And that's another thing. If you can just and this is this this will get into another part. If he truly is the head coach of the offense and you do design schemes to where you give him easy throws, easy throws that we didn't see Ken or AJ get the opportunity to make this year. If you can rely on the run game with Nate Johnson and that backfield, who I think I we'll get I would like to know what Will thinks about it too. I'm pretty high on Cedric and um and, and AJ going into next season. I I really, really like them. I'd honestly I I wish we would have gotten another guy out of the portal, to be honest with you, just yeah, as a like as, yes, that is true. I, I I like possibly, possibly, I'll say that I'll purpose possibly what we have with the run game. Now, with that being said, we liked we thought we were gonna like what we had with the run game this year, and the offensive line absolutely shit its pants every single game. Yeah. Just, I mean, so you have a still a ton of question marks on the offensive line with that run game. Grayson Morgan's going to get much more playing time. Can he bulk up 20 pounds? I don't know. I hope to God he can. I'm very excited. I don't, I won't say I'm very excited. I make, I'm, I'm hopeful, but I also think too, it's just because I was so sick and tired of Joey Lynch. This is where I don't dislike the hire. So it's not the dislike of the hire. It's the narrative surrounding the hire. Not even cautious. Everybody's speaking about Tim Beck. He's he's 59 years old, very experienced, a lot of years coaching football. Everybody is talking about him as if he is a safe hire, as if he is an F-150. He's not. This is an incredibly risky hire. If he was 34, you would be talking about this as an insanely risky hire with a resume of a head coach at the Division II level the only power four experience he has is an offensive analyst at TCU and two years as an OC at the group of five level, New Mexico state. I think this, it's not that I hate the hire. I don't know enough about Tim Beck to really give much of a judgment. It's just a, is this the best Vanderbilt can do is a 59 year old guy. That's most of his experiences coaching at the D two level and in shitty programs like New Mexico state. Is this the best they can do? And why is everyone acting like this is a guy that's proven it? He has never proven it. He's proven nothing. In fact, last year at New Mexico State, the New Mexico State offense ranked 70th in the country in points per game. What about this guy is proven? Nothing. He's won a national championship at a D2 level. He, sh- he has a huge, very high ceiling because he has head coaching experience. But I think the floor is way lower than a guy like Joey Lynch. I think this offense could be an utter disaster because he has never had a successful offense underneath him at even the Division I level. It was not a successful offense at New Mexico State. It was better than what they had previously seen, but it wasn't even top half of the NCAA. I don't dislike the Tim Beck hire. I hope it works out. I hope the scheme works out. But this is a lot more unproven of a hire than it is being covered as because he's 59. That's the only reason. He's never proven it. I'll say two things. One, to sort of push back on that. But one, I think we might be on the same page. And Billy, I'd like to get a a little bit of your insight because you know more than us, like I said. I feel like Utah fans said the same thing about Andy Ludwig. Whenever they, whenever, whenever they hired him, I feel like they said the same thing. Uh, People, and this is another thing. Maybe my brain is just broken. 
people look back on those Andy Ludwig Vanderbilt offenses as if they were like good. They were he for some reason in my memory he turned it on against the Vols every single year. Kudos to him. That's the only game I, I really care about winning. Other than that, Vanderbilt didn't have great offenses under Andy Ludwig, and he goes to Utah, and he's I mean it feels like he's up for the Broyles every other year. I, I so I'll say that one part I do. I, I always liked Andy Ludwig. I think see. I I hated Andy. You have, you have to talk about Kyle Shermer though. That is a like, good point. That is a good point. That is uh, Sherfield. You had those guys. Ralph Webb, obviously, some all time great. Kyle Shermer, statistically speaking, the greatest quarterback in Vanderbilt history. Um, one thing I do think I agree with Will on, and, and I'll get your take on this. Clark Lee, the, the narrative around Clark Lee taking over the defensive coordinator position, and correct me if I'm wrong was to free up money for an OC hire. Is that is that truthful or, or I, eh? I heard it wasn't. Okay. Um I but deep down I think that was part of it. Okay. Um I heard it wasn't. Okay. But I I think Clark right now more more of that was Clark looked at what he has and he said this is the best move right now. Okay. Like I I I need to take over this defense and figure the defense out first because if you can't stop anybody you're not going to beat anybody. That that's that's the bottom line. So, but again, how how much better can the defense get? That that's a that's another question out there. I'll say this about Beck. I heard that he was pretty coveted. I, I know, I, like I, I I heard there were some Power Five schools that wanted him. I don't know who. Um, I heard he he was he was he was coveted. I heard Nate Johnson was coveted. I heard they paid up decently well for Nate Johnson. Um, so. I think I think you can look at this and you go two ways, right? You can say Tim Beck is unproven, right? He doesn't have explosive offenses. Okay, that, that's 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 very fair. But the other side is you look at the quarterback, like if Vander, say Vanderbilt would have brought in a a pocket passer from a group of five school. Um, <laughs> you know who's the guy from Indiana, Sorsby? Yeah. Say they bring in Sorsby, we'd be talk. I don't think we'd be talking very positively about this this no. Beck move. Nate Johnson is just as important to yep, this to this Beck to this Beck move as Beck is. Without with Nate John Nate Johnson without Tim Beck is not a successful Nate Johnson. Tim Beck without Nate Johnson is not a successful Tim Beck. So I look at that and Will. I I like that you brought that up uh, that he is unproven. But there aren't to be honest and and I'm not defending anybody on that staff. There aren't too many proven coaches on this staff. So. You know, realistically, who was Vanderbilt going to get as an offensive coordinator? I think that's a good question you have to ask. Obviously, Joe Sloan was an option, um, but to get Tim Beck, I think it, it's just it's not. And and you could if you put truth serum to Clark Lee, he'd probably tell you, "Listen, we 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 had our eyes set higher. This was the highest of sort of that next tier." Um, so I I see both ways, and right now. We I don't, don't hate the hire. Yeah. I just want to reiterate, I don't hate it. I just am not sold on it. It's also probably, I'm being a little bit cautious because I was very high on this team heading into this year and I was thoroughly wrong. Could not be more wrong than I was heading into this football season. So I'm probably approaching things a little more cautiously. But I just always like to take off the Vanderbilt logo and put on a South Carolina logo yeah. or put on a Missouri logo or put on any other SEC program logo and say, how would their fan base feel about this offseason? And I think definitively, again, 
This is another offseason that there is zero other fan base in the SEC that would not be at January 6th levels of rebellion. I mean, I, I'm, it's, it's I not Tennessee's horrible. Having a, I, but there's having an awful there. It's not good. It's not good. But their class is still significantly higher of the talent they have coming in than Vanderbilt. And they didn't lose as much talent as Vanderbilt either. They didn't lose seven starters. Well, like, I, I'm not saying that I hate it. I'm not saying that I'm in horrible, pessimistic mode. I'm just saying you have a tendency when it's your team to see the positives and see the positive things. Every other SEC fan base is looking at what Vanderbilt is doing this offseason, saying that's a team that's going to finish 16th out of 16, 100% without a doubt. They've done nothing that's changed the trajectory going into next season. I hope I'm wrong. I hope Nate Johnson and Tim Beck lead this offense to a bowl game. But every SEC team is having sitting down and having a podcast right now talking about the moves they have made to make themselves competitors next season. Has Vanderbilt made better moves than other SEC programs? Because they're already starting 300 paces behind everyone. They're already coming off a 2-10 season with the worst roster in the SEC that they've now lost what, literally six or seven starters minimum to the transfer portal off that team. You're so far behind. You have to do things that jump out. And I don't know, outside of Nate Johnson and Randon Fontenet, have they done anything that jumps out to anyone? Dante Carter, Randon Fontenet, maybe Nate Johnson, but every program in all of Power 4 has two or three Nate Johnsons transferring in at the quarterback position. Everyone has a three has a four star guy coming in. Like that's not that's just what you have to do to be an SEC program. It's not that Vanderbilt's done anything exceptional. It's just hey, you've done what every program does. Congratulations! You're not completely embarrassing. You're just kind of embarrassing. I think Vanderbilt's in a situation where they can sort of right the ship. I'm not talking about them making a bowl game next year, right? But if they look respectable. And say they get to say they go four and eight, but those a lot of those eight losses are very competitive, tough. You said, man, they, they could have easily been five and seven or maybe even six and six. That is a massive improvement. You went two and ten, right? You went two and ten. So you're at the bottom right now. I think the staff is looking at it and going, okay, how can we get back up to that ground floor, right? Of, of simply respectability. They were embarrassed last year, flat, flat out embarrassed. So, I think they're looking at it as not a total flip, right? Changing the trajectory. They're looking at it as let's get right back to that bottom floor and go from there because we cannot skip steps, right? And so I, another thing you have to remember is there's a lot of th third-year guys, third-year players that are going to have huge roles. So as unsatisfied as some fans might be about the portal additions and in the recruiting class, I think there are still some guys that they have developed that – you look at it and you go, okay, Langston Patterson, right? Uh, Great Bright, job retaining him. Yeah, yeah. Bright, Bryce Cowan, a third-year player. Um, there's other third-year guys. CJ, well, yeah, CJ Taylor, right? So I think the guys they they were able to keep, we should almost be talking about more than than the guys they're able to bring in. You had to bring in guys. I think they filled some of the holes. Receiver and defensive line are still the holes. I think they have to fill. Um, but yeah, Quincy it, coming back. Is it's something don't that has, sleep not, on that. has yeah. not been discussed enough. Quincy, right now, he's the number one guy. And let's also point out that 
and and then we can go to the TDR cocktail break and we'll get to what this episode's actually supposed to be, which is the 2023 award yeah. show. God, you could sit us in a room. This could be a five-hour podcast. Easily. I mean, we're already at like what? A little over an hour? Are we actually? I can't tell. I need new glasses. Yeah, we're over an hour. Yeah, over Jesus. an hour, baby. Whoops. We haven't even gotten to 2020. Dude, this is what the people want, dude. It yeah. is what the people let want. Me ask, let me ask you this, though, Will. They, do you, they, they could have done worse, right? Yes. Like, in this situation, this could be sky is falling. I think the fact that it's not says something. I mean, um, it, this, but it's also I not you hit a home run. Like, I don't want to interrupt. We're, Clark Lee is being paid multi-million dollars a year. If the sky is falling, the, the baseline should be your program is not in skies falling disarray. That should be the baseline. Like I, well, in technically, I the don't, sky already fell. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't like to be the guy. I understand all the caveats with Vanderbilt, but if you ever want to be a program that competes at that level or is at least not embarrassing, you just can't. I always say, take the wins where they come. This offseason's not a win. Like this offseason yeah, is just yeah. is it's just not a gigantic loss. But it's still an like it. I don't even know if I'd call it a tie. Like it's still kind of a lot. Like this still off season. This off season has still been a net negative, and that's the part that's so frustrating. Victory where you lost, but you're you can find some some hope. Like I I think it's all like the Georgia game. Like this off season has almost been the Georgia. Like I mean, you just losing London Humphreys alone is enough to call this off season an L. Like that's yeah. the number one receiver in the transfer portal coming from your SEC school. That's a guy that should have been one of your dogs for the minimum of the next two and, years. And, 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 and he's and, gone because yeah. it wasn't money. It was because your staff could not convince him to stay at this program. Like that in and of itself, you can't cancel that out yeah. by getting an Alabama statewide receiver. Yeah. And like and you just can't like he's not even in the same universe and he as Lennon yeah. Humphreys or Will Shepard or Jaden McGowan. Like they haven't even replaced half the talent that they've lost, much less improved from a two and ten year. And I hope I'm wrong. And I hope those guys were energy drains and they were not good for the program, but I don't buy that. I just think that this staff was so inept at utilizing talent that they drove away the little bit of talent that was here. And now you're literally starting from Derek Mason level talent again, going into year four. I just think looking at the schedule, you're looking at another two and 10 team. London left because Georgia can call him. Right. I mean, that's, that's where you're at. He didn't believe in the offensive coaching staff. Uh, But at this point, Vanderbilt got rid of that offensive. Also, I've got to point out London. That was, fucking stupid you are an idiot for going to georgia you will be lost in that rotation you had the opportunity to be a number one wide receiver on an sec football program you gave that up to be a rotational lost in the shuffle six foot one white wide receiver at georgia that's going to catch for 300 yards next season you were convinced by the clicks, by the NIL collective, whatever it is, the Twitter, that was a an objectively bad decision. In the same way, it was an objectively bad decision for AJ Swan to transfer to LSU. It's kind of hilarious how easily fooled these guys are by these programs. You've already been through the recruiting process. As AJ Swan, how are you just fine going and being a backup quarterback at LSU next year? Because that's what you're going to be, AJ. You're going to be the number three receiver at Georgia, best case. Because guess what, London? Everybody can run as fast at you as you at Georgia. 
every one of them. I'll like you're add. not you're not special at Georgia. You were special at Vanderbilt. You're not special at Georgia. I don't care what Kirby told you in your on-campus visit. He's lying. He's lying to you. They do that all the time. Everyone can't be the star on the team. In London, you're not a star at Georgia, bud. And I hope, for the love of God, he can use this as a clip for motivation. Maybe he does. He won't. So we can go replay this back in a year. London Humphreys is going to have max of 500 yards the rest of his career at Georgia, and he's just going to be another dude. And at Vanderbilt, he could have been something special. Are you saying this because they don't play Georgia next year? I'm saying this because <laughs> but, no. I didn't believe London Humphreys was that special here, oh. much less at Georgia. No, <laughs> I, I've I talked might push about, back on that. He had 22 <laughs> catches. Guys, I'm not saying he sucked. I'm not but saying he was that also at all. He was mismanaged, like we talked about. He was mismanaged. He never made a contested catch in his entire career at Vanderbilt. He no, I, I, I ever no every he catch he made developed. was a yeah. schemed wide open slant or wide receiver screen. He never made a contested I, catch. I, I, I was making I'm a not joke about the, the Georgia thing, oh. but 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 I just think he's the most overrated player ever. I if he's just a white wide receiver, so everybody wants to suck him <laughs> off. Pushback. I think London's a dog. I do agree, though. I do, and I wanted to add, I, I do think he probably will get lost in the shuffle. A person I also wanted to add, I think Jaden McGowan gets lost. I, I, I don't want to say lost in the shuffle. Dude, that's a bad program to transfer to with no quarterback. And a shame. We want to, like, knock a Vander. It, obviously, South Carolina's offense is better than Vanderbilt. No, n- there's no ifs or buts about that. You're not Shane Beamer ain't much better, guys. Like, like I so I also wanted to add that. I, I think that's somebody who I think halfway through this season, and and you can't blame the kid. It's just it, his team growing up. I think he's another guy who halfway through the season, he's gonna be like, Oh damn, I think I made a mistake. And I think in the same way that I said with that confidence, because I always think I'm gonna be wrong. I'm probably going to be completely wrong on all of this. London's about to win a bullet in the cough. Probably, <laughs> probably so. Just because I said that. So you're welcome, London. On the other side, I think Will Shepard is going to be a star. And I think Trevor Ooh. disagrees. I'm kind of on And the that's there. fine. That's fine. I, I just think, I legitimately think Will Shepard, he had drop I, issues. But every single pass that was thrown to Will Shepard is the opposite of what I'm talking about with London. Every single defense was keying on Will Shepard, and every single catch he made was a contested catch. At Colorado, he's probably going to be the number two guy with Travis Hunter on the other that, side. That's the thing. And he's going to face single coverage for the first time in two years without a bracketed safety. And I think he is going to dominate. In the same way that London Humphreys is going to go off into oblivion, and you're going to see a couple highlights from him in non-con games, I'm telling you, you're going to see a couple highlights, and Vanderbilt fans are going to be like, oh, you were so wrong. I'm like, yeah, he's going to make catches. He doesn't suck. I'm not saying he sucks. But Will Shepard was a superstar that was never given the opportunity to succeed because on the other side of Will Shepard was London Humphreys most of this season. And London Humphreys demands zero safety help. Zero. He was given single coverage all season. Of course he made some big plays because everyone was focused on Will Shepard. Sorry, I've got to give a little shout out because I think Will Shepard also dropped a lot of balls. But yeah, I he did. But every catch he attempted to make was incredibly difficult versus London Humphreys in that Georgia game. Yeah, he's fast, straight line. But if you really want to be a number one receiver, you will never get that opportunity ever. 
to make the play that he did at the beginning of that Georgia game. That only happens when you're the third option at, on a team's at, roster. At Colorado, Travis Hunter's the dude. Yeah. And if if Travis Hunter is the star there, how does Will respond to that? Yeah. I, I look at that. I think Will's going to do great there. I, I, I agree with you, Will. I, I don't know about a star, but I, I think in that with Travis next to him, I think he'll do well. But I'm interested to see, do you see any tantrums? You know, do you see him, yeah. you know, on the sideline upset? You know, do you see a conversation with Dion? Do you see him not meshing well with, with Travis there as the other one? I'm interested to, to, to see that. I'm kind of on the opposite, though. I think London fits really well. I don't know if Lad McConkey's coming back for Georgia. Um, I think London fits well there. Shepard, I think he might have might have honestly done better if he goes into a program if he's the dude. Either way, they're both good receivers. Like we, the, these guys are good players. Jade McGowan's a good player. Um, Vanderbilt had dudes at receiver. They mismanaged them. I don't blame them for leaving. Did they? Um, I mean, did they have dudes? I, I think all three I, of those no, guys but, have dudes. But, but like what I'm getting at is I, I know I might I might be yes. contradicting myself a little bit here, but I think Will Shepard's going to do. Maybe I overstated it. I think he's going to do well at Colorado. Yeah. I don't think London Humphreys is going to like disappear into the ether of never existing. But I just keep going back to I watched this offense have so many plays where no one was open. And I know Joey Lynch struggled. And I know, you know, he's not the best offensive coordinator in the country. But a lot of that has to do with these guys just weren't that good at getting open. And and because you you could see it. There were times when, of course, quarterbacks, Ken Seals, AJ Swan missed missed reads. There were times when guys were open that they, they missed. Knew the offensive line. A majority had. of the time, these guys just weren't open. I maybe I'm just too pessimistic. I watched this team all year go two and ten and struggle to look like a competent football team. How good can these guys really be? That's just what I keep hitting at. Is how good can these guys really be? No, we're, we're not. I don't think I'm sitting here saying these guys are NFL prospects. Like, I think Shepard can be an NFL prospect think, down the road. Like, I, I, I think Humphreys can. And if we're talking about them as NFL guys, I mean, they're dudes. I think you can look at a kid and say he's a dude. Um, and with the offensive line they had and the quarterback flux, it's just hard to be a dude. It's hard to put up That's those true. numbers. So, well, I, I see what you're saying. But either way. I don't know. That's, we're, we're, we're Colorado we're, and, and Colorado and, uh, and South Carolina yeah. schemes and Georgia schemes. Georgia's going to be fine regardless of having London Humphreys. So that's <laughs> guys, we forgot to talk about the biggest piece that Colorado got in the portal. Walter Taylor. Big Walter the Taylor. big hefty lefty. I, I have a conspiracy. <laughs> well Walter's gonna be a tight end at, at Colorado. That's my con that's my that's my hot take. I think Walter Taylor is going to be turned into a tight end. Will Shepard tweeted and he said, watch how this plays out. Hmm. He's not gonna he's not a he's not gonna no, be a, he's, not he's not gonna going to be a quarterback. He's six seven athletic big Dion's going to turn him into a tight end I don't, I maybe he doesn't that. do anything this year but yeah just just keep an eye on that i could see that happening i mean fans on the board were clamoring for that this offseason as you as you know people were like whenever cole spence went down like people were like dude get walt taylor some wide receiver gloves and put him out put him out by the line i should have done that earlier because he can't throw an accurate football so, I mean, it's that it, Ole Miss game. I've always, just like in basketball, I've always liked my guards to be able to shoot the basketball. I've always liked my quarterback to be able to accurately throw the football. 
call me crazy. <laughs> but that's about enough talk and talking BS and me contradicting myself 17 times for segment one. Segment one was an hour and a half. It long. was a long segment one. <laughs> it's about time to grab yourself a cold one. It's about time for the TDR cocktail break. And right after the TDR cocktail break, the 2023 Vanderbilt Award Show. So we will be right back. Grab yourself a beverage. Welcome back from your TDR cocktail break. Back into episode 253 of the Door Report is Billy Derrick takes a big, cold, ice-cold sip of his natural light. We now have the most important part of this already very beefy episode, the 2023 Vanderbilt Awards, the TDR Awards, as we should now be calling them. I want to give 100% of the credit to Trevor. He put all of this together. The Google Doc tweeted it out. So all of these results, he created the Google Doc. He compiled the data. So any congratulatory tweets or messages, send them to Trevor. Mm -hmm. Any negative social media posts, also send them to Trevor. Because I was getting blamed for some of the things on the Google Doc that were missing. Don't give me any blame. I get enough blame as it is. and, and And we'll get to that story because... Will and I both work from home, and he just comes into my bedroom. He's like, hey, you forgot this. And I just slam my pen. I'm like, how did I forget that? Oh, my God, I'm an idiot. Uh, so, yeah, but we'll get to that. All right, Trevor. You're, right. Lead, you're leading the show here. It's Starting your show, brother. In the first category, there's not a whole lot of them. Best Vanderbilt moment of 2023. Not a whole lot of them. Not a lot to choose from. Coming in in third place. Read off the options first. What what were the options? The options were, I didn't have the options written down, but I'm going to go off memory. The Tyron Lawrence buzzer beater versus the Vols. The Jordan Wright shot against the Kentucky Wildcats in Rupp. The Lot 2 tailgate against Hawaii. Vanderbilt knocking Kentucky out of the SEC tournament. I believe those are the options. Well, you've closed the Google Doc, so I, I can't. So I cannot look the at other it. Options don't matter. Yeah, yeah. So we. I will, believe those are be, the options. That'll be the last time we do that because I thought I would be able to pull up the Google Doc like, and read those off. I'm a hundred percent positive those were the options. Okay. So those were the options. Coming in in third place for best Vandy moment of 2023, the Lot Two Tailgate versus Hawaii. Number three. I, I was. It was. I voted for it. Number three. I know. That was that was purely vibes though. Like there, not, like yes. that wasn't anything on the court or on the it was field. A, like however, that. it was electric. Oh. There were like a hundred something people there. A lot of Hawaiians. A lot of keg stands. Candace Story Lee was there. Barton Simmons was there. Gavin, Gavin Schoenwald, Ben Bresnahan, Billy Derrick, Joey oh, Dwyer, Barton Simmons, the dogs, the chancellor of the university, Miller on the dogs. <laughs> yeah, I mean we had all the dogs there. I can't believe that got bronze. Kind of sad. Well, whenever we go to number we had two, the college football tour YouTube page there. Those Come guys, were, yeah, those I, guys were fucking weird. Honestly, I totally forgot that even happened, dude. They okay. I totally. They just came and joined. TDR starting into like, a comedy podcast, but I that totally was forgot that happened. They, I still have the shirts they gave us. They're I sitting in my dresser. Anymore. They were brown, awful color. They were brown awful shirts. Color. I have a delicate complexion. I do not look good in brown. But very earthy. Tone. Why would you choose the color brown 
for your promotional t-shirts. Why not just a white t-shirt? Yeah, just a white, just white t-shirt. I'm sure it's cheaper. Black t-shirt. The, the word grit was the word of that that preseason. So <sighs> grit was was being thrown around everywhere. Uh, that's mean, what I love. What's grittier than I love getting gritty with poop the bulls. brown color? I mean, that's gritty. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a gritty color if you ask me. Coming in in second place. I'm honestly shocked this did not take first. Actually, no, I'm not. Vanderbilt, Knox, Thick, and Tucky Wildcats out of the SEC tournament. Sent them back to the coal mines, baby. That took silver. The better moment was after the game. Oh, the, yeah. the, be- the greatest Twitter spaces ever known to man. And, and Will, I think you hopped in like kind of late. I think I started it. Like, Trevor, you were there. The best moment, like, Scott came in and, like, yeah, <laughs> like just unhinged, like not even guys being dudes, just like ma- maniacal behavior. Did you have the Auburn game on there? The buzzer beater at home against Auburn? I did not put that. Okay, because that that's a that's an event that uh that game that's was pretty sleeper. fun. Yeah, that's, that's a, a sleeper. sleeper for moment. I was at we were all at that. We had yeah, like a small that tailgate. Started at all that wasn't like the climax though. Like that yeah, Kentucky true. game at Bridgestone. That was pretty like, oh. and none of us were able to go. Tickets no. were going for yeah. like what one hundred twenty bucks, yeah. and so but we went to that LSU game. Uh, but yeah, that I mean that had to be there. Yeah, boys, do we have any guesses as to what took home gold? I think I know. Taking home first place and the best Vanderbilt moment of 2023. Tyron Lawrence, the shot against the Tennessee Volunteers. Buzzer beater. Down go the Vols. Ezra Magnoni has a lane. He dishes it to Tyron. He got it. He got it. Oh, my God. Oh, gosh. That's what turned it all. I... That is why Jerry Stackhouse still has a job this year. So really, yeah. you could all point it back to that. Those silver and gold moments of moment of the year. And if those don't happen, yep. we have a different head coach this season for basketball. And maybe Vanderbilt basketball doesn't suck as much dick as it does. Can't forget, just a week before, they had lost by 50 points to Alabama, and we were calling for Jerry's job. That's the best part of this. He comes back and beats a, a top 15 Tennessee Number team. Six. A top 10 Tennessee yeah. team at home, like 50-50 split crowd. So that's the best part of this. Jerry pulling that off, unreal. The crazier part of that is he could do all of that again this year, and he would still be fired. Except it's not possible. No, yeah. it's, I'm not saying it's <laughs> – but I'm saying if he repeated the same yeah, cycle, yeah. it, that this, this out-of-conference play has been so much worse than what we thought was so bad last year. That he could have the exact same sequence, and they and this Vanderbilt team would be so much further away from the tournament. They wouldn't even be a bubble team if they went eleven and seven in conference this year. I, I have a picture frame of that, and I told the guy that made it to to put the title under it. The shot that that brought Memorial Magic back, or and, and that's what the shot was like. That brought people back for for a for, for five games, yeah. but it can, you brought that magical feeling back. And then the LSU basketball game happened. Oh, Jesus Christ. All, all $750 on that game. Oh, my God. You were getting killed on the boards. <laughs> Everybody on he the boards. They, they made an entire thread about Will's bet, and we're just going in on him. Everybody on the board sounds poor to me. They were like, isn't this guy some financial advisor yeah, or these, something? Everybody sounds poor to me. Me with horrendous credit card debt crippling me. You all sound poor to me. 
So taking home the best Vanderbilt moment of 2023, Tyron Lawrence's buzzer beater against the number six Tennessee Volunteers. Number two, our second category. There's a lot of these to choose from. The worst Vanderbilt moment of 2023. The options were the Vanderbilt lost to UNLV. Vandy boys getting knocked out of the regional against uh, Xavier. I believe that was um, Vanderbilt's loss. You to- don't have to list off all the options anymore. Okay. Vanderbilt's loss to Presbyterian was the last one, <laughs> but I believe someone wrote in a funny option, uh, a funny option on that one. I can't remember what it was. I should have written it down. I did write down some of y'all's other funny options though. I guess this one just wasn't that funny. That I just <laughs> want to remember it. So if that was you, I'm so sorry. Please continue listening to the podcast. Coming in at number third, Vanderbilt's loss to UNLV this year. Number three. I'm shocked that's not higher. Yeah. That was, I wanted to die that night. And that was football. Like, yeah. you know, that wasn't a basketball loss. That was football in a season that you still had a little bit of hope and to lose in, in such a disastrous way. Kind of, it told every fan that this team's going to intend. Like, the, that that loss just started the the downward spiral. I I voted that one. Yeah. Secrets out. Um it, 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 because it's football. That was also my number one. Yeah. Yeah, that one maybe that one didn't uh was not my vote for the most disappointing moment, oh. even though it was Will so was horrible. a basketball guy. Yeah, that was, yeah. yeah. No, no, I I care more about football, but that UNLV team, that moment was not as disappointing because number one, UNLV ended up not being as bad as we anticipated. Number two, the moment their backup quarterback came in, the true freshman, I knew Vanderbilt was going to lose. The moment that happened, Vanderbilt was dominating early that we injured their starting quarterback. I went, yep, they're going to win. And number three, it was the most exciting game at whatever metric they use of the entire 2023 football season. It was just insane. The back and forth, the touchdown throw from A.J. Son to Quincy to take the lead at at the end before UNLV inevitably beat Vanderbilt. That's why I didn't vote for it. Is it was a competitive, fun game that was soul crushing, gut wrenching, but also it was not as embarrassing as some other moments that were listed on there by you, Trevor. Yeah, that is true. Coming in at number two and worst moments of uh, the twenty twenty three year for the Vanderbilt Commodores, the Vandy boys getting knocked out of the regional. I I, I know we love the Vandy boys. I'm shocked that's at two. To be honest with you. That- that was arguably the most depressing because baseball is what you have. You, you can lean on, right? Baseball is the sport that you don't even really have to think about. You don't even you don't even really have expectations. It's like, yeah, they're going to win. And for them to have back-to-back years losing in a regional at home. Well, this one at home last the year before was at Oregon State. But to do it again, it was like, what has happened to this baseball program? Um, and you had that magical night, that Friday night game against – uh, who did they play? Uh, that four seed in that regional? Uh, oh, Indiana State. Indiana State, right. or, or some, something like a directional. Some that some feels wrong. some four seed, but Scott catching that home run oh, ball. Uh, y- yeah, you had that, and then you lose to Xavier. That was all part of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was almost the most depressing one, where yeah. you look at it and you go, man, Vanderbilt Athletics is is down bad. Yeah, yeah. Coming in by your guys' opinions at the as the worst. Vanderbilt moment of 2023. This actually just recently happened. Uh, Vanderbilt's loss to the Presbyterian Blue Hose in men's basketball. Eastern Illinois was the (laughs) first. They beat Eastern Illinois, then lost to Oregon. That was the cycle last year. I mean, yeah. 
Will losing crack researcher. I love it. Yeah, losing losing to Presbyterian. Duh. That, I mean the embarrassment factor. I'm glad I'm glad you said that about UNLV because for me, you and I voted UNLV. Yeah. But I think back at Presbyterian and you did have you had hope for the season. And then you lose to Presbyterian. You're like, this season's over. And then you had the catastrophic moment of breaking the Jerry bobblehead. Um, so you had, a a, yeah. And that that's an easy. It also sticks one. out being game one. It's kind of like yeah. when Clark Lee lost to ETSU game one of year one. It's like you have all this offseason hype built up only to be immediately destroyed. At least with UNLV the week before correct me if I'm wrong, you had the Wake Forest loss. Yes. And there were a lot of issues that stuck out during that Wake Forest game. That you, even in Hawaii. That you, Hawaii. Yeah, that you went, and even against Alabama A&M, that you went, hey, there's something wrong here. Like, there's something not clicking how we were told it was going to click and how it was supposedly clicking during fall camp. Something's not right. And then the UNLV game just kind of really put the nail in. And Presbyterian, you had, I was talking about this with Joey the other day, you had really good secret scrimmages reports for supposedly. They, they looked supposedly they looked pretty good in the secret scrimmages and then you have the presbyterian disaster that was that was so i went to that presbyterian game with one of my buddies who is a presbyterian basketball fan like He's a super fan. like a super fan it was i got presbyterian friends and family tickets to that game it was me and him and three family members of the same presbyterian player so there were literally four Presbyterian fans inside of Memorial Gym for that game. And you lost to a team that went 1-17 in in conference last year. To open up a season where you constantly guaranteed the fan base as the head coach in Jerry Stackhouse that you had learned from your mistakes, that you were ready to take non-conference games seriously, that you were ready to turn over a new leaf. And you immediately come out, for lack of a better term, shit the bed in front of everyone. You had the opportunity to bring back... Memorial Magic was on the cusp of coming back early in the season. If you start out this year at 4-0, 5-0, that place was going to be rocking by game six. You got, Yeah, you guys talked about it after the game because I, I had to watch. Y'all said if they won by 15 or 20, this would have been like, eh, we should have won by 40. They should have won that game by 30-plus. They lose. What was the margin? What? I mean, it, they. I mean, that was a game that you look at. You go, they should have blown this team out. So that's that adds to it. Like this shouldn't have been close. In fact, they lost. You that wasn't even up for debate. No. Yeah. That was like the only thing we said was the first four games of the season had to be wins. Yeah. I mean, we kind of glazed over it. Like they're gonna win the first four games this year. They. I mean, they've set up this schedule so it's probably the weakest out-of-conference schedule we've seen in the Jerry Stackhouse era. Maybe in the last decade or 20 not years. Yeah, not according, <laughs> not according to him. It's, did you know, Billy, it's hard to win games in college basketball? College basketball games. Especially with the 281st strength of schedule in the country. And they have a young team. Yeah, there's, there's only 280 teams that have played an easier schedule. Only 280. And it's only year five for him. I mean, this is a young team. They've got to gain experience. None of that's on Jerry Stackhouse. Young team has been an excuse every year. Yeah. Young team is an excuse every year. Every single season. They're young. Yeah. You've got to gain experience. The shots just aren't falling. They're just not falling. No. The other team, I mean, the other teams are just shooting the lights out of the ball. They're shooting 36% from three. I mean, that's unheard of. Who shoots 36% from the three-point line? 
I mean, that one, I, I don't know what her full username is, but that one uh, Lisa lady on Twitter that is like a big Jerry Stackhouse fan, and she tweeted, Karen. Oh, Karen. Yeah, Karen. Karen runs. That's her name. Lisa. Where did I get Lisa from? I don't know. If you're Lisa out there, I'm so sorry. Um, but she tweeted, she's like, why does every team that comes that plays Vanderbilt shoot the ball so well? And Jerry Stackhouse liked. And we're like Jerry, and then right underneath that is a is like a, a Scorpio tweet where he's like, "Scorpios never forget. We only get more angry or something like that." I don't know. Jesus Christ, I hate that guy. It's also Jerry Stackhouse has this tendency, and you've seen it in recent press conferences, to be like, "Do you even know ball? Yeah. Do you even understand basketball?" God forbid you credit you 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 talk down. To I Jerry played Stackhouse. eighteen years in the NBA. I know more about ball than you, and it's like. Fine, Jerry. You played 18 years in the NBA. How many successful years as a college head coach have you had? Because that's what we're talking about. It's almost impressive the amount of excuses he's able to come come up with. Like, yes, Jerry, you are a better individual basketball player than everyone asking you questions in the press room. Nobody's asking you questions about your ability to play basketball. We're asking questions as to why have you not made an NCAA tournament in your first four seasons? And why in year five are you now four and seven with a team that just shot 7% from the three-point line? Give us an answer. Don't just say, you don't know how difficult this is. It's like, no, I know it's tough, but other teams and other head coaches, they seem to be able to do it. So why can't you do it, Jerry? Yeah, I don't know. We're getting back on Jerry Stackhouse. It's inevitable. Oh, don't worry. There, there's Jerry Stackhouse it, is going to get be brought up. Jerry Stackhouse. We will talk more about Jerry Stackhouse and these awards. Do you have percentages written down? I do not know. Oh, but for, for one particular category, I do know the percentages. There's one particular category. I've memorized the percentage. Coming in number three, the third category of the TDR award ceremony, the most hated opposing team of 2023. I'll preface, this is where I goofed up. I did not include, and I'll take full blame for this. This is my fault. I did not include the Tennessee Volunteers baseball team. That's, that, that's the biggest mistake. Yeah. That, that, no. I'll take, that's a huge mistake. And whenever Will brought it up to me, I like started throwing stuff. I was so upset with myself. I could have just, just, just said the words Tony Vitello. Yes. yes. Like, no, I really – so I loved everything else I saw pretty much on the entire Google form that Trevor made. I filled it out and immediately walked over to Trevor's room and said, how did you not include Tennessee baseball? <laughs> I was like, I was looking for Tennessee baseball. You, Trevor included Oregon Ducks did, baseball. Yes, the is, options yeah. were Tennessee football, Tennessee basketball. basketball, Kentucky basketball, and Oregon Ducks baseball. And I was looking for Tony Vitello to put that as the most hated. But the thing about Tennessee baseball is it's not even Vanderbilt that, that hates them. They are like like they're hated around the country yeah. by like general sports fans. Like they look at that and they, they look at that one season. They go, who are these guys? Yeah. I don't like Tennessee baseball for the same reason. I would get angry if Vanderbilt football started acting like they were the greatest program in the country after they had one good football season. Oh, see, I would love that. No, me as a fan, I would. Oh, yeah. But what I'm saying is all to why people hate Tennessee baseball. It's not the hate. They hate us because we're good, like how people hated the New England Patriots or why people hate Vanderbilt baseball because you've been so good for so long. They're tired of seeing the same name and the same uniforms. I hate Tennessee baseball because they had one decent season 
and acted like they invented SEC baseball, that they changed the national scene of baseball. I was like, you've done nothing. You've accomplished nothing. And you've acted like you've won multiple championships. That's the, never the, happened. The best part is forever. Like up until a couple of years ago, Tennessee fans had said baseball, college baseball. Does it, Who cares about college baseball? College baseball is irrelevant. Nobody watches that. They get the number one team of the country. Oh, we invented college. Ba- college baseball is better because of the Tennessee Vols. That's the biggest thing. So cross that out, Trev. Make that the, <laughs> we yes. Whenever we get into this, we will. We will. We will also. There will be two most hated teams on this. One of which will be Tennessee Volunteers baseball. We will. We will make sure to add that. Coming in at number three for the most hated opposing team uh, for the Vanderbilt 2023 season, the Kentucky Wildcat basketball team. I feel like that's fair. I hate those guys. Fan base, really. Yeah. They're, they're, I mean, they they had 90% of the people at Birdstone, maybe even 95%. And they thought of that. It, we're going to walk in here. We're going to beat Vandy. Vandy beats them. Not only – they beat them a few days before at, at Rupp Arena. Yeah. And so it, it's a lot about their fans and their their perception. But, yeah, Calipari and that team to lose to that Vanderbilt team twice that year. Yeah. That And there was a lot of steam in, in that, that week or so yeah. with Kentucky. And for Vandy to pull it off again in Bridgestone, un- unreal. Screw those guys. I will say one of my favorite personal moments of this year is is Billy's, Billy, me, and Scott, his brother, are walking to Bridgestone for the Vanderbilt-Texas A&M SEC tournament basketball game the, the, night at, the day after Vanderbilt had knocked off uh, Kentucky in the tournament. And there are some uh, Kentucky Wildcat fans walking across from us, and I just start chanting, C A T S cats 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 and Billy's like, dude, they're gonna fight you. And I'm like, dude, I'll fight them all right now. And I'm just chanting, I'm just chanting at them the whole time as we walk by them. And I'm like, I I want you guys to say something to me right now, please. Cross cross Fourth Avenue right now. I want to. I have some words. I would love to get my ass justifiably kicked because I was. <laughs> Because I was in the face of an opposing fan base's fan about the success Vanderbilt had had. It's like the I scene, need to get my ass kicked. It's like the reason. scene in in, a, in Fight Club where his mouth's all bloody and he just slowly smiles as he's laying on the ground. That would be me. I'd be like, oh, this feels so good. Yes, 100%. <laughs> Being punched in the face isn't that bad. You barely remember it. I've never it. been punched in the face. So. You barely remember it. See, I've never been punched, so I would have a, I'd have a, I have a soft chin, so I'd get knocked out. I, what about the nose? <laughs> yeah, you remember that. You remember, you remember breaking your nose. The nose, okay. You remember that one. That'll affect your uh, speech patterns for a while. Coming in at number two for the most hated team for the 2023 season, Tennessee Volunteers basketball team. I feel like that's. I I kind of disagree with that. Really? I don't think there was a ton. Like always, there's hatred for Tennessee basketball. But that game, that was after the Alabama loss, the 50-point loss. Vanderbilt fans were ready to fire Jerry Stackhouse. I feel like that kind of renewed the hate. But, like, a lot of last year, like, Tennessee basketball, it's kind of hard to hate Tennessee basketball. Like, you guys are going to call me crazy. I like Rick. I I respect Rick I don't hate Rick I like Rick Barnes. He's a good man. He's a good Christian man. They call him Reverend Rick Barnes. Yeah, it's one of the – that's, like, the only reason I dislike him. But (laughs) – He's a good. Uh, it's, it's 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 like Trevor. Admit it's hard to hate them. No, dude, screw Rick Barnes. You suck. No, yeah, I actually don't have that big of a problem with Rick Barnes. It's, Tennessee oh. basketball was probably at the bottom of that list, to be honest. And, like after the game, they gave credit to Vandy. Like they're they're like Rick Barnes. I feel like has instilled 
a level of respect for his team for for opponents that like but their fans yeah. that's a different story yeah, but i i as it goes i feel like vanderbilt in basketball the rivalry and granted there's some great matchups in history with chris lofton and shane foster and it was great and it still is and still can be but there's not as much of like this bitter hatred rivalry between tennessee basketball and vanderbilt basketball it's more of like because this of Rick Barnes, it's more like, of like this mutual like hatred respect type thing on both sides because you had bruce pearl and kevin stallings both big personalities going at it and it's like this mutual respect hatred versus with Kentucky basketball, like I hate Kentucky basketball. I hate Coach Cal. I'll say this too: growing up, I hated Florida basketball. Oh, I yeah. hated Florida basketball. Billy Donovan, Joe Kim Noah, oh, that's God. iconic. Yeah. Iconic. I hated those guys. Think I know who number one is? Number one, easy to pick. The Tennessee Volunteer football team slash slash. Tennessee Volunteer Baseball team. We'll put an asterisk there. I feel like if I did include that, like I said, my fault. I didn't include it. I think they might have taken number one over football. I don't know. After that brawl, though, I don't know. I still think baseball would have won. But I think football would have been a close second. Interesting. Tennessee football fans are a different breed. Like, I, we were at that. I was at that game with my brothers, and we were sitting next to, of course, Tennessee fans. And just the way, like, their perception of Vanderbilt is that they are the dirt under their shoes. Um, I think that's what grinds the gears of a lot of Vanderbilt. Like, Vanderbilt football versus, Vander versus Tennessee football, I think we'll, you will always, no matter how good or bad either team is, you will always have that bitter hatred, um, you know, because of the history, because it's football, you know, yeah. you know it, it's football, we're tackling them. Um, Tennessee football fans are different. You know, they could be, they could have been five and seven. And they will still think of Vanderbilt as, as the 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 dirt under their feet, their yeah. their shoes. So they're a different breed. They think they're a different breed. Yeah. No, this is this is my big pet peeve with Tennessee football fans is they think they are a troubled fan base that has been through so much. You don't and know so, No, no, no. And well, they're it feels like ninety eight. And they're so loyal, and they always show up even after the putrid displays they've seen. They're so shut the fuck up no you are not i was at and i know most of you tennessee fans were not i was at the 2017 vanderbilt tennessee football game the toilet bowl i was at it and that stadium was 80 percent empty around me in the lower bowl our section maximum had a 100 people in it maximum it was a ghost town after two seasons of bad to mediocre Tennessee football, Tennessee fan base, you are no different than any other fan base. You have delusioned yourself into thinking that. But Tennessee fans are no different than Nebraska fans. If anything, they are less passionate than teams like Nebraska. It is one of my big pet peeves. If in 20 years, Tennessee has no winning football seasons for the next 20 years, Neyland Stadium will be empty because they are no different than every other fan base and they are self-delusioned into thinking that they have gone through all these trials and tribulations. They haven't. They're nothing. They're a sham and their city is fucking garbage. Yes, I totally Knoxville agree. Knoxville sucks. No Knoxville. It sucks. We should just give it to the Carolinas. Dude, it sucks. Why don't we just give it to North Carolina? You know I what love, I mean? I love the perception of, oh, it's so beautiful up in them Tennessee hills, like the east side. It's like, 
no that like that's like one of the trashiest towns yes. in all of america yeah like the the mountains the smoky mountains they're they're pretty knoxville knoxville is not knoxville pretty. is not pretty no knoxville is an ugly city yep. with shitty college bars around it and poor fat obese low iq citizens that is east tennessee i spent <laughs> a lot of time in east tennessee and outside of the engineers My that favorite will yes. outside of the engineers that work at y12 that is a city full of idiots. It is truly like some of the dumbest people I've ever interacted with are in Knoxville, Tennessee. Maybe dumber than Alabama, and that's saying a lot. Oh, also a fun fact for you guys. Did you know the Vanderbilt-Tennessee football rivalry used to have a name? Like how all these other rivalries have a nickname? You know what it was? They called it Hatred in the Hills. Hmm. What a great nickname. Hmm. Hatred in the Hills. We should bring back. That's a dude. That is a great rivalry name. Hatred in the Hills. The Hatred in the Hills game. Great name. Great name. I like it. I say we bring it back. It's also my favorite rivalry. You couldn't have two more different fan bases. Like mm -hmm. Vanderbilt, like the idea of them spending their paycheck on going to a football game is like, like they, they, yeah. that's ridiculous to them. Um, Vanderbilt fans care about football. They just haven't had a reason to. Yeah. Like they could be just as passionate. They just obviously they haven't won. Uh, but I love that dynamic of of and the van. It comes out in the Vanderbilt Tennessee baseball rivalry yeah. because Vanderbilt has won. You know, it, it's like the the James Bond movies. They're they're the, the 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 party. They're the people that have been there the whole time. You know, and the, they've been at that party every year. Tennessee, they got the rednecks kicking through the back door. I just, I love, I love, I hope it stays that way. I love that, that rival. Yes. I totally agree. Our fourth award, favorite athlete of the 2023 season. This was where I didn't put in options. I, I let people submit their own options. We had a wide array, a wide array. I will note, I got one vote. For favorite athlete of the year, somebody said Trevor Hewlin for being an absolute dog. <laughs> So thank you, whoever did that. But I did not crack the top three. Coming in at number three, Ezra Mignon. Filet Mignon. Filet Mignon coming in at third for favorite athlete of 2023. Well-deserved. Well well-deserved. I mean, it, it's hard for him to beat out these top two guys we have. But without Ezra this year, this team might be like one in whatever, one in – 11 or whatever they would be billy like by the way billy is reading off what the results are <laughs> i have i have no idea yeah. what the results are i'm just reacting off the dome ezra is the only guy i'm excluding from every criticism i've given about this basketball program yes. i tweeted out just the name ezra mignon because i want that in my twitter records it's like every criticism i am giving of this basketball program is not about ezra mignon Tyron Lawrence looks disinterested. Ezra Mignon does not look disinterested. Ezra Mignon looks like he's an improved basketball player from last season. He looks like he was grinding this offseason. His jumpers improved. His game is improved. Everyone else on this team, forget about it. He deserves, so he deserves so much. So better. shout out to Ezra for getting the bronze. Yes. Shout out to Ezra. Coming in at number two for favorite athlete of 2023, Enrique Bradfield Jr. Like, I don't know that there'd be a bigger star. You had Rocker and Lighter, mm -hmm. but like his pure, just like Will. This is a reason you would go to a baseball oh, game, right? Battery. Like, like if we if we were like Will, you want to go to the baseball game like here in a couple months? Mm -hmm. 
He's like, nope, Enrique's not. But like, like he's a yeah. reason. Like he is the re, like the reason that Vanderbilt has has. He's one of the reasons they've had a lot of really good players. But like for like kids, like I mean, why would you not want to go watch Enrique Bradfield Jr.? He is a superstar. It's what the Vandy boys and Tim Corbin and that baseball he's program have done such a good job of doing is not only producing great talent that's drafted highly and is going to go to the next level and succeed. He also reps the program after he leaves, doing things like sending autographed jerseys, constantly on Twitter talking about the program, and just being what seems to be an enjoyable guy to listen to speak. A good dude. Like, I don't know any other way to put it. Like, Enrique Bradfield, to me, I don't know him personally. He just seems like a good dude. And that seems to be what the Vandy Boys program is. Yeah. Is we're going to be better than you. And we're also going to be better people than you. That's my favorite part about about Tim Corbin and this program. Enrique Bradfield is a superstar. And they acknowledge that. They they give him that platform. They let him be who he is. And they're not going to shy away. It's like, no, no one's more important. They have admitted that Enrique Bradfield is more important than than most But they've also done a good job of bringing in guys that they elevate to that level that then have the self-awareness and team mentality to be like, but I'm actually not, but actually right. it's about, but that. that's yeah. what that's is. They've brought in the right type of character guys to thrust that responsibility on like a Dansby Swanson during the national championship run, like that kind of guy. That's like, yeah, he knows he's the most talented guy. Everybody knows it. They give him the platform to be the most talented guy, but he also goes out there and doesn't act like his shit doesn't stink. He, I mean, he, I never heard a quote from Enrique Bradfield that was a me first type quote. And and that's something in and of itself. You can go down the line. You Enrique, Dansby, um, JJ, David Price, if you want to go that far Kumar, back. Kumar, Jack. Kumar. And, and somebody who, like, you want to talk about a dude who, like, knew he was better than everybody. Kumar Rocker knew he was better than everybody else. <laughs> Everybody else in that diamond, and you never heard, like you said, you never ever heard of. And then you see a guy that steps into the program that is uber talented, that doesn't have the correct mindset. Christian Little, he's out of the program pretty quickly. Very talented guy, but did not fit that mold that is Vanderbilt based personality. You think of a guy like a Kyle Shermer, you think of him throwing passes. Enrique Bradfield, you think of him in the community, right? Uh, you know everything outside of just baseball. Like they they amplify that with those with those players. So yeah, there's not going to be a ton of baseball. It also helps here. when you win. Yeah. yeah, that'll make a lot of things look a lot exactly. better. Winning cures all. <laughs> and I don't think this should be a shock to anybody. Coming in in first place for favorite athlete of 2023, big number one football, CJ Taylor. Not shocking. Also, just that name, CJ Taylor. Oh, such a good name. Like and the fact that he he had offers from Tennessee last year, he had people poaching him this year. He loves Vanderbilt. He he is a you talk about Vanderbilt man. I know some people hate that, but he loves Vanderbilt. He wants to be here, and there's not enough you can say about him. Yeah. And he is a hell of a player. Yeah. He would start on every other Power Five school. Yep, he he is that good, and he loves the school. And he he's a personality. He's yeah. a guy like he. You think of C.J. Taylor. Yeah, he's a hell of a football player. Great dude. Uh, played at Warren County. Like, you can't say enough about him. He stayed 
that's number one yeah. why he's up there is, is multiple times obviously he's had a ton of offers to go elsewhere exactly and then the the turnover that wasn't a turnover refusing to give the ball to the Tennessee staff oh. during that game. I think that might have bumped him up a little yep. bit higher. Is that moment combined with the fact he was on a horrible defense, a horrible football team. And the game against Ray Davis. And cons- oh. oh, it was that awesome. Oh my and God. he consistently went out there and gave it 110%. I mean, there was there were with that brace on. Yeah, there were a lot of guys on that defense that I would have said maybe they'd mailed it in. CJ Taylor was not one of those guys. So undoubtedly deserved the gold medal there my boy cj taylor for our fifth category favorite coach of 2023 this one is a little bit shocking these results kind of uh were a little bit shocking coming in at number three for favorite coach of 2023 vanderbilt head football coach clark lee at number three there are only so many options i do i do think clark has that he bleeds black and gold Mm -hmm. he loves vanderbilt too Obviously, it hasn't worked out. Uh, I mean, let, let's face it. Um, but I think there's a lot of there's a lot of people that know him. You know, he he's a known commodity. He's not sexy, um, but he's Clarkly. He played at Vanderbilt, went to NBA. There's kind of that that deep rooted kind of institutional. Like, okay, he's a Vanderbilt guy, but it hasn't worked out. So that's why he's number three. There's only so many options. Yeah. Coming in number two, this is a little bit shocking. For favorite coach of 2023, number two, Jerry Stackhouse. Oh, I'm just kidding. It's Shea Ralph. <laughs> I was looking at you like, no way. Also, too, Shea Ralph, like, I love, like, shout out to what the women's hoops are doing. That's a little bit of recency bias. Can we, like... Uh... Well, let's also say there's only so many options. Yeah. And she's actually coaching a program that is good yeah. right now. She so is, she's a hell of a coach. She's great. Yeah. I mean, she knows what she's doing. This is year three and she's 11 and one. They're going to make the tournament. Mm-hmm. So hell of a job to you, Shay Ralph. Yep. I mean, heck of a coach. And this is still Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt yeah. women's basketball also has a, a great history and tradition. So they, they've been able to uphold that. Yeah, absolutely. And this should be no surprise to anybody coming in as the favorite Vanderbilt coach for 2023, yeah. the goat. Timothy Corbin, of course. I mean, there was no one else. There was a, it was all. There, it was always Tim. It was always Tim. It was. We need Michael Martini. It was oh, all. It was always, always. It was always Tim Corbin. Oh, but yeah, you can't say anything else. I mean, there's there, and not there much go else the balloons. And hey, shout out to you, Tim Corbin. We love you, Coach. Um, our sixth category. <laughs> this should be no surprise to anybody. Most hated coach for Vanderbilt for the year 2023. So there were only actually people only voted as I included, of course, Jerry, Tim, Clark, Shea, Ralph, Darren Ambrose, who is the soccer coach. Um, Only two people got voted coming in at second place with three votes, three votes. Clark Lee. That makes no, I, I get you can be upset with Vanderbilt football. That makes no sense to me. I get it because there was a ton of hype for this season. And it just didn't work out. And Clark would probably vote himself here too. Like Clark is, he's one of the more honest coaches Vandy's ever had, but this is kind of funny that he's, he's number three favorite and number two hated. Yeah. (laughs) And, and, and literally receiving the rest of the votes, the rest of the votes, the most hated coach for Vanderbilt 2023, 
Jerry Stackhouse, baby. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. The fact that he received all of the votes but three is honestly kind of impressive. Yeah, like 99% of the votes universally. I don't even know how you uh, – maybe people clicked on the wrong answer with Clark Lee. I don't even know how at this point you choose anyone You else. could take out the year 2023. You could argue history. Yeah. <laughs> like like the amount of middle fingers he's given to the fan base yeah, um it, yeah that, that's they even referenced it on espn plus or whatever that game was broadcast on that i watched during the vanderbilt western carolina game they even referenced after tassos hit the only three of the game where vanderbilt shot seven percent they referenced that was like a hundred or something games in a row that vanderbilt had hit a three and the color commentator said correct me if i'm wrong I think it was only up until a few years ago that Vanderbilt that had the longest streak in NCAA history of consecutive three pointers made since the invention, since the uh, implementation of the three point line, tied with like Princeton up until a few years back. That was crazy, wasn't it? But go root for baseball. Yeah, I, I was thinking... And it had to come against Tennessee. It too. had to come against that Tennessee. And one. then it wasn't just that. It was the comments after of like, who cares? People don't actually care. It's like, shut the fuck up, Jerry. Hey, well, speaking of Jerry Stackhouse comments, our seventh category is favorite Jerry Stackhouse quote <laughs> of, of 2023. Coming in at third place, her favorite Jerry Stackhouse quote of 2023. This is a benevolent dictatorship. Only number three. Only number three, the benevolent dictator quote. That's a hell of a sign if that's number three. <laughs> I, there are so many Stackhouse yes. quotes, but that one, it, it, like, after that loss, to say that yeah. this is a benevolent dictatorship, it felt like a an SNL skit yeah. of, like, <laughs> how like wild can you get? Gosh. Coming in at number two for favorite Jerry Stackhouse quote of 2023. We will beat the hell out of everybody, open parentheses, and non-conference close parentheses, coming in at number two. <laughs> but that was just sort of a joke, an off-the-cuff comment. Yes, like, just an off-the-cuff comment that, that media members are clinging that you to. Guys, that you guys are going to run with, and you can. And he said he would stand by it, so Jerry stands by it. Yes. Number two. Coming in at number one, of course. Coming in at number one, favorite Jerry Stackhouse quote of 2023. Don't listen to these clowns. It's beguilement of the highest order. They only listen to the media that chooses to side with the 5.8% of Vanderbilt Nation that is so divisive. Hashtag anchor down. Favorite Jerry Stackhouse quote 2023 by the people. The beguilement. You can't forget the clown emojis. <laughs> yep. Got to remember the clown the emojis. 5.8%. Oh, talk about something people have ran with. Oh, my gosh. That's the an off-the-cuff comment. Axel's the one that proud 5.8%er. Uh, that's that HMD. HMD. Yep. Oh HMD. My gosh. Proud uh, 5.8 percenter, brother. Now, our eighth category. Favorite Vanderbilt Twitter personality. It's a big one. This is this is the one I think people care about. We actually have a tie for number three. I tallied, I tallied the votes, I crunched the data, I put it into SPSS. Coming in at number three, tied. One of one of these makes sense to me. The other, I'm like, eh, that's kind of confusing. I love them though. The confusing one is Robbie Weinstein of 24-7 Sports for number three, tied with TDR's very own Will Byram. Not happy with bronze. <laughs> I mean, there were a lot of people. Also, people just voted for them. Like, I was going through the results. I'm like, 
and I follow most people. I'm like, I've never heard of some of these people. So you clearly just voted for yourself. You probably couldn't create a, a more different uh, thread of tweets from Will Byram and Robbie Weinstein. Yeah. <laughs> Robbie reporting on the games and he'll have some cynicism in there. Will just, just whatever's like, in my, whatever's in my brain at the time. Yeah. yeah whatever's rolling through that brain, but well, number three, man, I'll take it because I, I, I will. A lot of people. This is the part that I want to put out there about being number three. Strong, about being number three, a lot of my best tweets have to be utilized under the TDR account. That is true. We should note that. most of my immediate thoughts and be- tweets that have done the best have been underneath at the door report. So I'll take bronze, but I'm not happy with it. We'll strive for better next year. Yes. I also should know there was a very funny submission for uh, favorite Twitter personality. Um, their answer was CEO Harvey. Psych. It's Billy Derrick. <laughs> CEO Harvey may be the most polarizing. Like, oh my gosh. I love that. I saw CEO Harvey. I was like, there's no way in hell. And then I clicked it. It just it said CEO Harvey. Dot, dot, dot. Psych. It's Billy Derrick, baby. <laughs> but coming in at number two, this was a little bit shocking to me. Aric Goldfinger at number two. I know who number one is. <laughs> I, I, I'm not surprised by that, but especially because of his the sheer volume of his tweets. Yes, like he is, like he lives on Twitter. I'm not saying you don't yeah. or or Will doesn't, but like he is always yeah. tweeting. Um, and it's like normal stuff, but it's also like hilarious, yeah, the like memes. Yeah, the high. I mean, haikus. He had to be up yes. there. I want to know number one. Some people might say this is a fraudulent election, baby, but it's not. Coming in at number one, favorite Twitter personality, you're truly Hack Squad Jim Duggan, baby. It was always me. Crown me the king, baby. The new regime is here. The revolution is here. Old heads, get out. It's our time, baby. It was always Hack Squad. If that, if that, was, just, if that was just Trevor Hula, you would not have won. Your name no. and your and your profile picture won that. Yes. Turning into my my alternate personality that is Hack Squat Jim Duggan, aka Woody Woodenhofer, has has secured me this one. So shout out to the Woodenhofer family. The so, only person I'd be okay being number one. <laughs> deserves it. He also, deserves it, besides being an Eagles fan. Side note, we're going on two hours. We just need to start like a daily three hour talk show. Like yeah. take Spurs up show vibe. Yeah. Our next category. Favorite Vanderbilt insider of 2023. Funny enough, there was a three-way tie for second place. Oh. A three-way tie. <laughs> this is crazy. Between Chris Lee, Billy Derrick, and Joey Dwyer. Wow. A three-way tie. Yeah, three-way tie for the Vandy Sports Boys. It's artistic. It's funny. Joey and I joke about this all the time. Chris really never tweets about Vandy. But, I, I like, yeah. he's a great insider, probably more on the boards. Yes. Um, so, I obviously, that's a board, more of a board take there. Mm-hmm. But what Joey and I always joke about that. Like, Chris rarely actually tweets about Vanderbilt. But we know who number one is. We know. 24-7 zone. Robbie Dubs, Robbie Weinstein takes home the award for favorite Vanderbilt insider of 2023. Thanks, Robbie. 
Hashtag <laughs> thanks, Robbie. That's oh, all that needs to that's be said. All that needs to be said. Our next category, favorite uniform, favorite team uniform of 2023. So this is not individual uniform. This is the team that had the best set of uniforms. Coming in at number three. Also, somebody put on here that you could type in your little own option. Somebody said their favorite Vanderbilt uniform was the boys in lot two wearing the matching bombers. So that got honorable mention. I did not have a bomber. Will, that was you. You got voted for best uniform of 2023. I appreciate that. Vandy hockey should be in here. Oh, I'll take the L on that one. I totally forgot we had a hockey club. Coming in at number three, no surprise, Vanderbilt men's basketball. No surprise there. No surprise there. I honestly don't think they're great. No, no, that was bottom just, of the barrel. When they changed them from the the number the three old is skinny. not on these type of things. Number three is not positive. That yeah. means yes, you didn't yes. perform well. But the fact they're even up there is high. When they changed them to the the skinny, the tight Vanderbilt font to whatever they have now, just not not the best. We should go back to the Jeff Taylor, like those Jeff Taylor, uh, even Shane Foster warm Jermaine Beal, those uniforms. Yeah. I want to go back to what everything was uniform wise outside of baseball. I want to go back to like 2005. That was the oh, best gorgeous. 04, 05 basketball and football. Those were the best years of uniforms. And Clark Lee with the football program has kind of shifted to a modern version of what that was. I agree. Also, I'm in the minority. I really like the football uniforms. Like I like how, how simplistic they are. Yes. Right now they're very clean. Yeah. They look like Georgia, Alabama, That's and nice. I, I, it symbolizes outside that. of losing the start. Outside. Game. Uh, yes. Which I'm, I'm fine I, with the new logo. It's whatever. It's fine. I understand why they did it. I just still think they screwed up. Yeah, like I, I I'm not going to be like, bring back the star V whatever. I think they messed up not leaning into the star V because now they're just another letter. In what in every single one of those graphics you see that shows every team in the country, it used to be Vanderbilt's logo stood out. Like I would immediately see the star V on any of those charts. Now the V is just another logo like Illinois, Georgia, Tennessee. It's just another letter, which is fine. If that's what you wanted to do, blend back into the pack, that's fine. There wasn't much that was stand out about Vanderbilt. The Star V was one of those things. It didn't need to be changed. The Star V was synonymous with, with Vanderbilt. Now, I think you get mistaken. Is that Villanova? Is that Xavier? You know, so. Yeah. yeah. Coming in at number two, Vanderbilt football, second place for best uniforms of 2023. Not surprising. Also, to everybody knew who was going to win this category. Number one, the best uniforms in all of sports, the Vandy boys deserved yeah. it has to be you just like the and they've stayed the same pretty much like they've that old ones they had those those gold ones and they've yeah. switched them up a little bit don't love the black ones with the pinstripes oh i love those oh, those are my, those favorites. Are my favorites those are my billy favorite. but you do the classic like vandy vanderbilt cursive script looks yeah. so good they're changing this year to the fat the v the and i heard some players don't love it i don't love it but yeah i mean you had to get baseball yeah Coming up to our final category for the TDR 2023 award ceremony. Favorite athletic graduate of 2023. Coming in third place, our beautiful sweet boy gave us all the Vanderbilt. It didn't end pretty, but we will be forever indebted to you. Ken Seals. Ken Seals, number, number three. three. Wow. Kenny football. 
He did graduate, but he did transfer. Uh, yes, that is. Yeah. So all in, we'll, we'll allow it. But we'll Ken, I think Ken, Ken is known for just being Ken, yeah. like sticking with the program. I know he transferred, but like he, you just think about him. He's such a great dude. Yeah. I mean, great dude. And he's the nicest guy. He'll always talk to you. He'd probably come on the pod. He came on our spaces yeah. after the, uh, the Kentucky game. Just, just a great guy. Yeah. Can't disagree. Coming in at number two, Vanderbilt men's basketballs, Liam Robbins. Okay. Liam Robbins, number two, favorite graduate of 2023. Okay. Hell of a player, but the fact that he did graduate, you know, he he was with Jerry for, yeah. for that long. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's there's going to be a name missing from this top three list, regardless of who is number one. I was either I was I'm expecting number one to be one player, but is is Wesley, I agree. There's a there's a big miss. Here. There's one name that I want to bring up as an honorable mention. I agree, but let's hear number I one. I think first. we're on the same page. Number one, we talked about Ken being our beautiful boy. This is our most beautifulest boy. Nashville zone, Pearl Cone zone, Wesley Shelling. Okay, that's who I thought was going to be missed from this list. Oh and no, he finished Wesley number Schelling one. Has okay. been voted by the people. We are a long snapper podcast. <laughs> Wesley Shelley has hat been voted by bail. the people. So Enrique Bradfield Didn't won. Make the top four. He won favorite Vanderbilt athlete of 2023. Yeah, but he didn't even finish in the top three of graduates. He was number four. Because you think of graduate and you just think of the man he is, yeah. like. The uh, the gentleman scholar athlete Wesley's a gentleman scholar athlete. What a what a guy! Oh, what I a mean, nice, guy, nice stop by the baseball tailgate. You can't say enough about Wesley. Hell of a long snapper. <laughs> probably going to be in the NFL. Uh, but you think of just the man, the man he is. I wish we had trophies. Though maybe oh, next year, gosh, if the if the sponsors come rolling in, we'll get trophies for the for these ten awards. But. Wesley Schelling deserves it. That's really who I I was about to have a whole rant about how he should have been on there. Who but do you I don't think even was number one gonna be. Do you think I thought it was gonna be Enrique? Yeah. yeah, I thought he since he won yeah. player or second no. in player of the year and didn't even finish. I just assumed it would be Enrique. Honestly, kind of Wesley ran away with it. Like he deserves. he ran away with it. I, I voted for Wesley. I also voted for Wesley. I think I did too. So I can't disagree with it. Wesley Schelling takes home the 2023 TDR award. Will we just call that the TDR MVP of 2023? We could. I, that, he might be we'll the TDR MVP. Wesley, you are the first TDR annual MVP. The 2023 MVP long snapper, Wesley Schelling. Damn, Trevor. Good job. I mean, shout out to you people. We had a lot of, we had like over, I think it was something crazy, it was like over like 300 responses. Hell yeah. Shout out to everybody that submitted your responses. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode 253 of TDR. Shout out to Billy Derrick for joining this extremely long episode. Good luck uploading this. Yeah, this <laughs> this editing is going to be a hell of a time. Thank you to everybody for listening out there. This has been episode 253 of The Door Report, powered by Corey Perkins of Parks Realty.